The meeting of the Broward County Commission is about to begin. Will all audience members please silence your cell phones? For those viewing from home or on mobile devices, thank you for watching. To stay informed about Broward County government, please visit Broward.org or follow us on social media. County Commission meetings are open to the public. Members of the public wishing to be heard on any agenda item can register one of two ways. Visit registertospeak.broward.org and fill out the online registration form, or scan the QR code posted in various locations inside and just outside the Commission chambers to register on your mobile device. A registration form must be completed for each item you wish to speak on. If you have trouble registering digitally, visit County Administration on the fourth floor for assistance. All speakers must appear in person. No further speaker signups will be accepted after an item has been called. Please show respect for others and refrain from making impertinent, slanderous remarks or personal attacks. Boisterous behavior, including applause, booing, and cheering is not permitted. Thank you for joining us. The meeting will begin shortly. you would begin to take your seats, please. We would appreciate it.
Okay. We're now calling to order the Broward County Commission meeting this Tuesday, May the 2nd, 2023. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. We actually now stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, followed by a moment of silence, which I'll talk about momentarily. And I'm going to have Mr. Melton for the Pledge of Allegiance. So we hear his voice. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Mr. Jim, if you'll please continue to stand as customary for a, we observe a moment of silence to honor those notable persons from our community who have recently passed, and I'll be being my colleagues. Commissioner McKenzie, do you have anybody? No, sir. Okay. Commissioner Logan? No, Commissioner Udine? <coughs> Unfortunately, um, we lost in the city of Parkland this weekend Mayor Sal Pagliera. I know most of you probably remember Sal. He hasn't served in a long time, but he was pretty much instrumental in building the city of Parkland. He, he was the longest serving mayor in Parkland. Him and his wife Dottie lived in the ranches. I could tell you so many stories about Sal. I came on right after him. If you needed building plans, you had to call Sal. They were in his garage. <laughs> um, there were tire marks from where he used to drive his pickup truck over one of the fields to get to City Hall from his house. Uh, he lived, uh, it was a life well lived, and uh, the city of Parkland lost a true, true leader and friend this past weekend. I think the arrangements will come out. I'm sure the League of Cities will reach out to everybody, but it's next Tuesday. Uh, and please add Mayor Sal Pagliera and the Pagliera family in your prayers today. Thank you, Commissioner. Vice Mayor? Commissioner? Commissioner? Commissioner Rogers? Absolutely. Let's also honor all the brave men and women who served and continue to serve our armed forces, especially during Fleet Week, as we're able to recognize those both here and abroad and thank them for their service. Please, a moment of silence. Thank you. you may be seated. Well, today's music was brought to our you by live from Commissioner Mark Bogan. And again, he changes it up every time because it's the same two songs. Remember Commissioner Udine? Oh, did he do Chicago again? 25 or 64 to Chicago in Old Days by Chicago. So he always changes it up and keeps the same songs every time. But we appreciate you, uh, Commissioner Bogan, for all of your uh, dedicated to the Chicago band. Well, being from Chicago, I have to, you know, sometimes honor that city. But uh, Mayor, if I, you don't mind if I, uh, I forgot, I, I, I would like to, uh, with a little levity, I'd like to uh, 
give my condolences. I'd like to give my condolences really to the people of Boston because our Florida Panthers beat the best team in the history, <laughs> beat the best team in the history of the NHL, right? They, they are the best team. And, and, and normally you say hats off to the Panthers, right? Well, I don't have a hat. So I'm gonna say shirts off to the Panthers. And for that, I'm gonna take my shirt off. Uh, oh. He, he is serious, isn't he? This is for the Panthers. <laughs> Point of order, Mayor. Only Commissioner Bogan, folks. <clears throat> Hold on. Motion to send. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Shirts off to our Florida Panthers. <laughs> hey. Mr. Mayor, Mayor, everybody. Yes. Uh, I'd like to question the county attorney. Don't we have rules about Mayor. decorum on the on the dais, which Commissioner Bogan is. It's not of the box thinking here, okay? And tonight is the game, folks. So let's support support our. Florida Panthers. As we congratulate our Panthers and we wish them the best success in the uh, next games to come. So, Commissioner Bogan, yes, you're you are one of a kind. Thank you. Got to have a little levity in this world. <laughs> All righty, we have some uh, proclamations followed by some special presentations. We're going to obviously honor our employee service recognition. First, we're going to have our proclamations. We have three today. We're going to begin with Mad Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, presented by myself, the mayor. And Jennifer Walsh, if you will come forward as the affiliate executive director of MAD Southeast Florida. I've been privileged over the years in my public service to be able to always recognize MAD and what they have been able to accomplish and to recognize those who lost lives and look forward to the next vigil as we always have. So whereas Walk Life MAD is a signature fundraising event for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, the nation's premier organization working to end drunk driving, help fight drug driving, support victims of these violent crimes, prevent underage drinking. Whereas almost every 90 seconds, every 90 seconds, a person is injured in a drunk driving crash. That's just horrific. The second consecutive year, alcohol-related deaths increased in our country, causing 13,384 fatalities in 2021. Whereas Mad Broward, established in 1980, works tirelessly to support victims at no charge, advocate for stronger laws, and create a future for no more victims. Whereas on Sunday, May the 7th, 2023, Mad Broward will host the UKG and Salah Foundation Walk Like Mad and Mad Dash Fort Lauderdale 5K presented by the Sheriff's Foundation of Broward County and UBS at Heisinga Plaza in the city of Fort Lauderdale. As the funds raised will be used to continue Mad's Broward's community education, victim support services, and youth programs that work to eliminate underage drinking. As Broward County supports Mad in reminding residents and visitors alike other causes Drunk driving does not need a cure. The cure is awareness and education so that each one of us chooses 
to drive sober or designate a driver. Now, therefore, be proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners that the Board hereby proclaims Saturday, May 7, 2023, as Walk Like Mad and Mad Dash Day in Broward County, Florida, encourages all residents to participate in this important event and to make responsible decisions and to act appropriately to prevent impaired driving. We are honored to present this to you, Jennifer. We, we just continue your organization to really make a difference and to save lives. Thank you so much. Mayor Fisher, Vice Mayor Rich, and Commissioners, I'd like to personally thank you all on behalf of MAD victims, volunteers, and staff here in Broward County for this proclamation. Additionally, I'd like to thank the community for continuing to support this event, raising over $3.5 million since the inception of the Walk Like Mad and Mad Dash Fort Lauderdale 5K. I'd like to invite all of you to attend this event this Sunday, May 7th, in downtown Fort Lauderdale, as it will be an uplifting opportunity for everyone to save lives. We need everyone's help in joining this fight to end drunk driving in our community. Thank you. Now I'm going to call down uh, Commissioner Mike Udine is going to present the Miss Broward County to Alana Schuerday, I think that's right. Okay, Commissioner Udine, you're up. Awesome. This is so cool. Okay, I have Miss Broward County with me today, Miss Alana Shearer. She's currently the 85th Miss Broward County and will compete for the title of Miss Florida in June of 2023. Yeah. Alana grew up in Coral Springs. She attended Maplewood Elementary, Sawgrass Springs Middle, and Coral Glades High School. After graduating from high school, she was one of Broward County's Arts and Future Scholarship recipients and has received a Bachelor of Science in Hospitality Management and Tourism from Florida State University. Okay, go ahead, yeah, all right. In her free time, Alana teaches dance and currently serves as the, on the Coral Springs Public Arts Committee. The Miss America organization is the number one leading provider of scholarships for young women in the United States. And thus far, Alana has earned over $17,000 in scholarships. Ms. Brow Whereas, as Miss Broward County, Alana promotes the, her community service initiative, TAP, which stands for Turn Up Artistic Participation. Alana often volunteers with art-related organizations and events to increase public engagement in community arts. 
Alana has previously emceed the performing arts stage at the Carl Springs Festival of the Arts, led dance workshops supporting Orange Ribbons for Jamie, and mentored young girls with the Heart Art Projects for local children's hospitals. Whereas she ex is excited to represent Broward County, where she has grown up and lives and works as Miss Broward County and hopes to make history as the first Miss Broward to win the Miss Florida come June 24th in Lakeland, Florida. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners that the board hereby designates today, Tuesday, May 2nd, as Miss Broward County, Alana Shearer Day in Broward County, Florida. And we wish you the best of luck. And this is signed by the mayor. And since he signed it, you're definitely going to win the competition. <laughs> Bogan has friends in very high places. He'll make a call. Congratulations. I just wanted to say thank you very much to the Broward County Commission, Michael Udine, for always being supportive and listening to all of your constituents and what you do on a daily basis here. I've grown up live. I do work right down the street at Moz, the Museum of Discovery and Science working event. So I'm familiar with the area. I've grown up here. And it is an honor to represent Broward County this year. And I really hope, maybe being first runner up last year, that I have all the fight in me to bring it home this year. So like we said, it's the number one providing scholarships uh, for women in the United States. I'm very thankful for the opportunities that it has given me. And I would encourage anyone who knows women between the ages of 18 to 28 to get involved and find out what locals are up out there for young women to be, feel supported and empowered and really take part in the community service around them. So thank you awesome. very much. Now we do a picture of Okay, we have one final proclamation. That's going to be Haitian Heritage Month slash Caribbean American Heritage Month. It's going to be by our own Commissioner Hazel Rogers, and it'll be presented to Ingra Roberts for Caribbean American Heritage Month and Alex Joseph for Haitian American Heritage Month. If you'll please join the commissioner down at the podium, we should appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, and colleagues. It's good to be honoring and sharing about Caribbean Heritage Month, and I would be remiss if I did not recognize my colleague, one of the commissioners from the We Care City of Lauderdale Lakes, Commissioner Ticey Coswell. Please stand, Commissioner. Please join me, Commissioner. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. 
you can tell that she is ready to be Caribbean. Okay, that is uh, one of the outfits that we can wear and it represents every Alden in the Caribbean. Could you step forward, darling? Good, thank you. Uh, Ms. Ingrid, I think you left your notes with me. I'm giving it back to you, I'm sorry. This proclamation is, was requested by me and I want to thank the mayor and his office for always trying to accommodate all of us. Whereas President George W. Bush issued the first National Caribbean American Heritage Month proclamation in June 2006, and it has been issued annually since then by every president of the United States. Whereas Caribbean American Heritage Month was established to create and disseminate knowledge about the contributions of Caribbean people to the United States. Whereas we approach Caribbean Heritage Month, we pause to celebrate Haitian Heritage Month to affirm the importance of Haiti's historical and cultural significance including the role it played in the fight for independence and the abolition of slavery. And whereas in Broward County, we celebrate the strength, resilience, and diversity of Caribbean cultures, including those of Haiti, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, Cuba, Dominica, Barbados, Grenada, St. Lucia, the Bahamas, many others, and stand in solidarity with the Caribbean neighbors and work towards a better future. Whereas the Greater Caribbean American Cultural Coalition provides opportunities for cross-cultural understanding, acceptance, and interaction between people of diverse nationalities and heritage. The organization encourages residents to celebrate Haitian Flag Day on May 18th, of course, 2023, attend on May 21st, 2023, the oldest Caribbean cultural festival in Broward County and celebrate Caribbean American Heritage Month in June. And that festival is called Unifest and it's in its 29th year. Whereas Haitian American Month and Caribbean American Heritage Month aims to educate people on the rich history and culture of Haiti and the Caribbean to increase awareness and understanding of the diversity and the rich, richness of Haitian and Caribbean American culture. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Broward County Board of County Commissioners that the board hereby recognizes in the months of May and June as Haitian Heritage Month and Caribbean American Heritage Month, respectfully, respectively, in Broward County, Florida. And it's signed by our mayor, so you know it is good. We might be able to auction this off with the help of the mayor. We might be able to auction this off with the help of the mayor. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. I know you would. Thank you very much. And I'll present the first one because May comes before. We're in May, and this is Haitian Heritage Month, and we thank you for joining us today. I'm going to do the other one and give you a moment to say a few words and then Miss Ingrid. And she's from Trinidad. Okay, most people think of Jamaica and Haiti all the time, so we brought in a Trinidadian, TNT, in the house. Okay. 
and we thank you for representing today. Thank you. May 1st. Ladies first. Ladies first, yes. Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Um, millions of Caribbean Americans strengthen our country through their vibrant cultures, traditions, languages, the family values. In recognition of National Caribbean American Heritage Month, we honor the immeasurable ways Caribbean Americans have added to our American dream. Public servants like Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, first black presidential candidate, our national first Supreme Court Justice of Puerto Rican descent, Sonia Sotomayor, and the late General Colin Powell, the son of Jamaican immigrants and the first black U.S. Secretary of State. Locally, we have Jamaican Mayor Samuel Brown, first black mayor of Broward City, Dale Holness, the first Jamaican County Mayor, Mayor Sam Berglin, first Haitian mayor in Broward City, and County Commission Hazel Rogers, the first Jamaican to be elected to office in southeastern United States, former state rep and mayor of the weaker city of Lauderdale Lakes. Contributors in every field have left lasting impact on this, our home. Caribbean American businesses, entrepreneurs, scientists, medical professionals, teachers, police officers, athletes, artists, entertainers, the late Harry Belafonte. The state of Florida and Broward is the Caribbean's mayor destinations for recreational travel, international commerce, and students seeking higher education, which contributes millions into our local economy and institutions on all annual basis. So as you can see, the Caribbean people bring a lot of value to Broward County and the United States of America. So I'm proud to be here today. Thank you. Photo opportunity with our colleagues. Okay. Thank you. Any Jamaican, any Caribbean people in the house, I gave instructions for you to be at your desk and just wave. That, do that proud wave. All right. Don't forget, we had an agreement. We're going to be waving at this time. Thank you very much. Caribbean people in the audience, let me turn around and look. You want to take a picture? Oh, no, you're good. You're good. All right. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, I wanted to say thank you to everybody for number one. Um, just, just this proclamation does mean a lot especially to, to uh, the Haitian community as far as what I'm representing. Uh, but not only do I represent just the Haitian community, I also represent the veterans and the military personnel that continue to serve as I am still serving myself. Um, the other thing that I, that I want to also represent is for our business owners that are here, they're uh, Caribbean, um, Haitians, and everybody else that's really, really out here to help Broward County and the U.S. Uh, just a short story real quick. Um, I used to be stationed up in Savannah, well, Hinesville, really. 
Uh, anyways, up there, there's, there's a little restaurant called Vinny's Pizzeria, right? And my sister used to live in Atlanta. And we're always going down there every weekend, going down to Savannah to go eat pizza at Vinny's Pizzeria. And um, my sister told me one time, it's like, when you get down there, you have to go look at the monument that, uh, that represents for the Haitians uh, that fought in, uh, in which war, World War I, I believe it was. Fact check me. I'm not sure which one it is. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> at the end, the, the point of the story is that um, every, every weekend I went down and I was always parking next to this big monument, big, like the size of this, this entire front here waiting area, right? So I parked by it, and I'm like, well, I don't see it. I always tell my sister, did you look at it? I'm like, no. Um, so she comes down to Atlanta, and she, I park where I always park, and she's like, uh, you never see this right here? I'm like, oh, no, I, I, I didn't realize it was sitting here. Um, and we had a good laugh about that. The moral to the story is pay attention to what's around you. Pay attention to what value people bring. Always realize that you know, it's, it's ingrained in our I would say our culture to help, to provide, okay, to service. So just remember that when you're dealing with a Caribbean uh, person, oh, people of Caribbean descent, understand that we're here to show love, and that's all we do. And I'm sure that's what um, Broward County and everybody in here can represent and say, we are here for love, all right? Remember that. Thank you very much. So much. We're going to take a quick picture. If everybody would come forward, we'll take a quick picture, please. Okay, as everybody is taking their seats, please, I need you to just focus on the dais. In a, and this is an abundance of caution. There's no need to um, get alarmed, but there was an incident that is happening right down the street from our building. And so our building right now, in abundance of caution, is in a lockdown mode, which is fine. Uh, but we want to make sure that everybody stays in the chambers until we have that clearance, okay? So everybody's safe, the building is, is completely safe, but just an abundance of caution, we wanna make sure that you stay put until I get you the word to say we can leave, all right? So that's good news for the employees, they don't have to go back to work right now. Yeah. <laughs> and we get to celebrate them a little more. That's right, exactly. 
so our presentations next will be, of course, our employees' recognitions for 20, would get 25, 30 to 35, would get 40 years. So, so I'm going to ask uh, Ms. Sapiro to come uh, and join me at the podium as we begin our recognition for our employees. So as uh, Ms. Sapiro um, just comes up to recognize, beginning our employees, there's a, there's a special recognition that on behalf of the board, on behalf of the Board of County Commissioners, Commissioner Dean, it's exciting to give this incredible news. We talk about recognitions, right? Employees, where Monica Sapiro has received Administrator of the Year from the American Society of Public Administrators, South Florida Chapter. We are so proud of you. She had no idea that was coming, so I wanted to surprise her on that. But uh, our fearless leader is, uh, is the top of the world here, so thank you. Well, South Florida anyway. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Mr. Mayor. And you're right, you should not have done that. But now we're going to really celebrate the reason all of us have have uh, a lot of success in this organization and this community because we get to, um, all you're gonna hear just for a minute is an announcement for the rest of the uh, folks in this building that the building is on lockdown. The building is going on lockdown as a police activity in the area. Please stay away from the doors. Do not attempt to exit. Stay put and remain calm. This is a drill, so, only a drill. So, um, um, thanks for the levity, but unfortunately it is not a drill, but, um, but it is truly an abundance of caution. Uh, the activity that they are reporting is further west on Las Olas, across the way, across from the bridge. So, it is um, truly an abundance of caution. So, we're in good shape here, we're very secure, and so we're going to go on. And, celebrate our employees. And celebrate all of the great accomplishments in the library. All right. So we're going to start off with 20 years of service, Enterprise Technology Services, our ETS. I think we're yeah, we're caught there. Right. Katrina Stewart Cosme. go too much further on this list, I want to make sure if there's anyone here uh, for recognitions that did not check in, uh, make sure you do right here so that we make sure we have your certificate and we can make sure to announce you. All right. So another 20 years of service from facilities management, Jonathan Hardaway.
We're going to go over to our park system. Another 20 years of service. Mark Salas. about purchasing when you have Michael Mullen in the house. a lot of us will recognize this name from traffic engineering, Andrew Sebo. Next, we're jumping to 25 years from aviation. Daniel Sal. The next couple we've got from Broward Addiction and Recovery Center, Michael Florio. How about Seth Joseph, also from Bark? From uh, Resilience Division in red, how about Victor Suarez? Victor. Thank 
All right, let's go back to Public Works, Highway Bridge Maintenance, James Jacobson. Shift back over to human services, Jean Smith. Oh boy. Jean must sign the paychecks. <laughs> Let's let's go to a quieter bunch, huh? Yeah. yeah How about the libraries? <laughs> Lisa Manners. <laughs> Not that you couldn't hear from her, but you know. Congratulations. All right, we'll round out the 22, 25 years with two from Records, Taxes, and Treasury. Felicia Whitfield, please. Join us. All right, Belinda O'Neill Jackson, Records, Taxes, and Treasury. Now we're gonna we're gonna jump over to 30 years of service. And this is another name that I think some of us may recognize. How about from human resources, Mr. Alan Wilson? Wilson. 
so I think that your time has to be Come on, let's represent. Okay. Go to the back. This is a, we right. Remember this. Is right. Go to the back. It's okay. It's okay. All right. All right. We'll do a quick one. We'll do a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> Get closer, please. Closer, closer. He's going the other side. A bit closer, closer. Okay. Ready? One and two. Thank you. So for those of you that don't know what Alan does <laughs> and why he's so popular, so he's our assistant director of human resources, but for many years um, was our, our division uh, lead for all of labor relations. So he knows quite a few of uh, our, the members of our organization. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <clears throat> yep, yep. So this next, um, this next uh, recognition um, is for an individual um, that we have a special request for a short video that we're going to um, accommodate today. So Michael, if you can go ahead and play this. This is for 30 years of service for Parks and Recreation for Fred Pulver. But before Fred, you can come on down and we'll cheer for you, but we want to show something special for you today. Pay attention to the monitors. Good morning, Ohagos and Montserrat County from Okinawa, Japan. My name is Albert Pulver, and I'm here today to recognize my father, Fred Pulver, who has been working as a plumber in our Parks and Recreation Department for the past 30 years. Dad, I personally would like to take this time to thank you for all that you've done for me in my life, and I know that our county would like to thank you for your many years of dedication, resilience, and service to our Parks Department. Dad, I wish I could be there to celebrate with you today, Please enjoy your day, and again, congratulations. Ogenki day. Take care, everyone. don't often get a, a request from overseas, but um, we thought that was a very special moment to share. All right, continuing on with 30 years of service from transit 
Tommy Hawthorne. So from Wastewater Recycling Services, Edward Ruby. Ruby. Now, if you can believe it, we've got several from for 35 years of service with the county. And there, there are three individuals we're going to recognize here from the libraries, the first of which is Linda Kennedy. Linda Jefferson, please join us for your recognition. our last individual for 35 years, and yes, we have one more after that. Catherine Roch from the libraries. So there's often um, a lot of longevity in our organization, but you don't see 40 years of service very often. So let's give it up for Records, Taxes, and Treasury, Margaret Vicat. Thank you. 
We got one over here. All the way to the back. We'll take a picture of everybody. Why are you a bit of No, not yet. I know. I'm coming. I'm coming. No, no, no. Are you sure? So thank you to everyone, um, and we're going to uh, go start the um, commission meeting, but as a reminder, we need everyone to stay in the chambers, um, so you'll get to see a little bit of uh, uh, commission action this morning. Tuesday agenda memorandum. The following are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are 1 through 29. Public hearing items are 30 through 42. I re uh, regular items are 43 through 55. I request the following withdrawals and scrivener error corrections and inclusion of additional information. Withdrawals, deferrals, substitutions, none. Scrivener's, er <coughs> scrivener's errors, none. Additional information. Item 16. The board's consideration of this item is based on the updated Exhibit 2 distributed as additional material. Item 17, the board's consideration of this item is based on the updated Exhibit 2 distributed as additional material. 
Item 29, Exhibit 1, page 2, number 5, line 7, currently reads $17,622.50, should read $18,185.10. Exhibit 1, page 2, number 5, line 8, currently reads $5,622.50, should read $6,185.10. The board's consideration of this item is based on the amendments to the dollar amounts as indicated above. Item 30, this is the first of two public hearings for this item. Item 45, Mayor Lamar Fisher requests to be added as a sponsor. Item 45, the board's consideration of this item is based on the replacement executed purchase and sale agreement distributed as additional material. Mayor requests without objection items 44, 46, 48, 49, 50, and 54 be moved to consent. Time certain item, item 47, 11.30 a.m. or at the conclusion of the regular agenda. Additional material, regular meeting. Items 1A through 1C, board appointments. Item 16, updated exhibit two is submitted by the Office of the County Attorney. Item 17, item 17, updated exhibit two submitted by the Office of the County Attorney. Item 25, substitute exhibit one submitted by Resilient Environment Department. Item 45, substitute exhibit one final executed purchase and sale agreement submitted by Public Works Department. Item 47, letter from the board workshop, letter from board workshop submitted by County Administration. Item 47, parent two, memo to the board submitted by the Office of the County Attorney. Item 47, parent three, memo to the board submitted by the Office of the County Attorney. Additional material, public hearing, none. Thank you, Carl, great job. Okay, we are now under a consent agenda. Items, I'm gonna call for any requests to be pulled. Vice Mayor Rich. Excuse me. Yes, number 20. Very good. Commissioner Bogan. None. Commissioner Dean. None. Commissioner Geller? 18 and 24, both for comment only. Commissioner Furr? Thank you. Commissioner Ryan? Commissioner Ryan, any polls? Momento. Commissioner Rogers. No. Ms. Sapiro. None. Mr. Myers. No. Thank you. Mr. Auditor. None, sir. Okay, very good. Anyone from the public? No public polls. Very good. Mr. Myers, would you state the consent agenda for approval? Would you? Thank you, Mayor. Uh, the consent agenda is items number one through 29. Uh, pulled from consent are uh, items uh, 18. And 24, just for comment by Senator Geller, and item 20 was pulled by Senator Rich. Uh, and then added to the consent agenda are items 44, 46, 49, 50, and 54. Is there a motion to remove it? Move approval of the consent agenda. Second. By the county attorney. Moved by Senator Geller, seconded by Commissioner Bogan. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 9-0, thank you. We're on item number 18, Val. Item 18 is a motion to adopt resolution directing the county administrator to publish, publish notice of public hearing to be held on May 23rd, 2023 at 10 a.m. in room 422 of Governmental Center East to consider adoption of a proposed resolution amending the Broward County Administrative Code, the title of which is follows. A resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida pertaining to delegation requests 
amending section 18.5 of the Broward County Administrative Code and providing for severability, inclusion of the Administrative Code and effective date. Thank you. Senator Geller, you pulled this item as a notice to publish? Uh, yes. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I just wanted to uh, alert the other, my fellow commissioners. Um, we had a great deal of discussion previously on delegation requests. I am bringing back a motion that originally was limited to just say that you can't use it to pitch your own business, because we've had several of those that were just being used to pitch your own business. So that was my amendment at the request of staff. Um, one section was added saying that uh, repeat delegation requests on the same topic, not more than once a quarter. I just wanted to let everyone know because there were people that wanted other things added, such as it had to be something in front of a matter that the county commission could deal with. Those are not in there, but I'm inviting. I have no pride of authorship. The only thing I really am feel strongly about is it can't be used for an advertisement for your business. So I'm just alerting everybody this issue will come up. And if anybody had other items that they wanted to add on this particular topic, please feel free to do so. I have no pride of authorship. Thank you. Mr. Bogan. Um, Commissioner Geller, I understand what, why you're bringing it, but very little since I've been here, before you have been here, have we had companies coming here to pitch, talk about their business? Let me just finish for a second. I, I would want a company, like there's so many companies that do things that we don't know about. Why do we want to stifle that? When it, I mean, if, if there's a problem, fix it. But I don't see the problem, and so I don't understand. So I have a business, and I want you guys to, I want the commissioners to know about it, I want the people to know about it, because um, I think it could help the county or whatever. I, I, I just don't see what the issue is. Uh, Commissioner Bogan, let me say two things. First, I've heard, I recall at least three or four of those, but I am concerned that we could be getting those every week once people realize what a great opportunity it is to have a captive audience of the entire commission. Respectfully, I, you know, when somebody has an idea for a problem and why their business is uniquely uh, situated, I think they should bring it to administration. They can bring it to one of us. I meet with people all the time that have these ideas, but I don't think it should come to you know just a captive audience of the commission. But when this issue comes up, you know next yeah or next May twenty third, you can and the twenty third, you can certainly bring that up, and we'll talk about it then. I just wanted to bring up let everybody know okay. in case. What? because there have been other suggestions that the issue is coming up, and if anybody wanted any amendments, have at it. And we would look forward to those at the time the resolution comes forward, okay? Any further discussion? Move the amendment. Moved by Senator Geller. Yep. Seconded by? Second. Commissioner Udine. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0, thank you. Item number 20, Vice Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I remember speaking about this the last time we had it, uh, this was brought up, but uh, now that it's here to be passed, um, I have um, a problem, I've had a problem with this because this is a request for waiver of the Domestic Partnership Act requirements for this solicitation. And um, the, the company does not provide domestic partnership uh, benefits uh, 
now that there is a provision to provide for uh, married couples. And it's different, and I have a problem with eliminating that. Uh, there are some people that do not want to get married, and they should have this opportunity to have uh, um, their health care. I think it's a slippery slope. And if you do it for one company, then you'll have another company coming in. So I just think it's a policy issue that we should not uh, retreat from basically what, we, ha what we, are, we have been doing with regard to coverage of domestic partnership. Thank you. Any further commission discussion? Commissioner Bogan? Yeah, I, I, can I have the our county attorney? Yeah. yeah, no, walk, 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 walk. I just wanted to see, just explain exactly what this does for this one company. This is a particular company for train, which is the air conditioning company. Go ahead. Commissioner, I mean, excuse me, Mr. Myers. Thank you, Mayor. Commissioner, uh, in, in order to receive this award, uh, they, they must meet our standard terms and conditions. Those terms and conditions would normally include that they would have to offer certain benefits to domestic partners. That's been longstanding county policy. Uh, and, and I apologize, I was speaking with the county administrator. I don't know if Senator Rich you know, mentioned that since th there's been some development. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, so because uh, same-gender marriage has, has been recognized as constitutionally protected, uh, some companies apparently are, are moving away from offering domestic partnership benefits since folks could get married who previously couldn't do that in a protective sense. So uh, in order to do business with TRAIN, because TRAIN no longer offers domestic partnership benefits, we have to waive the code. Uh, so if you, you don't want to do business with TRAIN, then they, they wouldn't be, you don't waive the code and they wouldn't be eligible to receive this award. Thank you for the clarification. Any further commission discussion? Senator Geller. Um, County attorney, or this may not be to you, this may be to procurement. Do you know if TRAIN does offer uh, benefits to same-sex marriages? They, they do, yes, Senator they Geller. Do. They do. Yes. They do. Okay. okay. However, I made the point. Hold on, hold on a second. I'm, I'm, I'm told. I'm not. I, I, we've asked. That's what we were told. Uh, we. I have no reason to doubt it. But I don't. I don't know. I haven't looked myself. So. Vice Mayor. Yeah. Just the the, the the issue is that they're not the same, and uh, we had a policy uh, to provide for domestic partnership. So that's what I think we should do. And as I said, it's a slippery slope. You do it for one, you have other people coming in doing the same thing. Okay, any further discussion? Is there a motion? Move it approval. I uh, uh, move by Senator Geller. Is there a second? Well, I, I want to just ask one, uh, yep. just comment on it. So TRAIN offers health care benefits in a to a to a married couple, husband and wife. Yes. They want to offer health care benefits to um, a married couple uh, that's constitutionally protected. You know. They do. They do offer those benefits. So previously, uh, two folks of the same gender, uh, right. their, their marriage wasn't recognized constitutionally right. protected. It currently is. Uh, so uh, a lot of folks offered, including the county. It, yeah, if two people of a different gender that are, would never want to qualify under the domestic partners, does train not offer them? They don't offer those people benefits. In order to get the benefits of health insurance, you have to be married. With train, correct. It's okay. Trained. I get my benefits through the county, and they've asked for my marriage certificate every year. They make sure that we're married. What does the county do internally? The county offers benefits to, uh, domestic, to uh, domestic, domestic partners, partners of employees. Right. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, now, 
this has been around for a while. It's one, I remember one of the first cases I litigated years ago when I had darker hair, so many years ago. Uh, and you know, I mean, but it's a policy. It's strictly a policy decision for the board. Uh, and you know, maybe I don't know how critical it is that train uh, be the entity that we choose here. I think my suspected administration wouldn't have brought this forward if it didn't believe that train was was the, the strongest vendor. But, but uh, I would let. But it's, uh, it's ultimately the board's decision. Okay, right. so that's the key here. And Commissioner Furt wanted to make a comment. Well, I was just wondering if if there is any movement to change our policy given the constitutional protections that are, that are now available. Are we looking at changing our policies? There, has there been consideration? So there was some conversation. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. There was some conversation uh, a few months ago where we had talked about possibly looking to change this, uh, the policy because of the, um, the acknowledgement federally and in the state for same-sex marriage. Uh, but there was some conversation at that time and that um, proposal was um, taken back. Um, I think what we heard was that there would be the interest by the board to handle these on a one-by-one -one basis should they come up. This is the only company that we have um, in the recent past had experience where we've kind of run into a problem um, where they were the only um, authorized vendor that could really do um, some special, special um, work and in particular um, we had done one previously for train also so that um, was made that designation was made and decision made by the board um, not to in the not too recent past and now we can get the dates on that okay and, and i say that because the, this policy was probably pre-constitutional right. yeah, rights given so i so it's one of those things i think we probably want to revisit in the meantime i'm going to probably go ahead and support um, voting for train, but I do think it's worth taking another look at that, g given the landscape has changed. Right. So that's kind of where I'm okay. going to land on this. Commissioner Bogan? Yeah, I, we have a policy right now. We haven't changed the policy, and that's why I'm going to support uh, Commissioner Rich's uh, position. We haven't changed our policy, and um, this is a one-off. For some reason, they want to change it. Uh, I just want to let you know I'm going to support uh, until we change our policy, I'm going to support uh, Commissioner Rich on this. Okay. Ms. Shapiro, the, continue the discussion. I, the item was January 24th of this year that the board um, did similar action um, and granted this waiver for train. Very good. I have a, I have a, I have a motion. I don't have a second yet. Uh, Mr. Myers, did you want to say something? Yeah, yeah I just wanted to point out, <laughs> Mayor, that I, I believe there is a provision directly in the code, I mean, it's so the code when it was enacted, I think contemplated that you may need to do this periodically. Uh, so you're not, you're not going off script, you would just be using an example, and I'm not suggesting that you do it, it's purely a policy decision, but, uh, but anyway, I'll just Moved by Senator Geller, is there a second? I'll second it. Second by Commissioner for any further discussion? Ms. Sapiro? For a point of clarification, um, and certainly not to get in the way of the vote, but I just think it's some critical information that um, my, my, my uh, port director just shared with me, um, that there would be some concern, and I guess we just work with uh, the attorney's office on how to provide these services in the summer months, that um, I, am, I am being advised that there would be um, uh, some concern on, on how we would get some of these um, uh, air conditioning services for some of the facilities there at the port. 
Um, and I was also advised by my purchasing team that the next lower ranked uh, company um, did not agree to all the terms and conditions. So we would know that there would be an issue going down there as well, but, and it just may take some time, but I just want to just point all that out because those were things that were just shared with me. And it also had um, an additional million dollar um, cost on the next lower ranked okay. firm, just so full disclosure. Senator Geller followed by Commissioner Bogan. I, I'm comfortable under the circumstance that we've discussed moving this, which is why I did, because I would not feel comfortable if this was a company that was saying we're not going to provide uh, coverage for uh, same-sex uh, marriages, same-sex couples. We have. I would have concern with that, but if they are willing to provide, and they are providing coverage for same-sex marriage, I, I'm comfortable with waiving under this limited set of circumstances. Mr. Bogan, real quick, comment and we'll vote. Real quick, Administrator, are, are you saying diplomatically, delicately, we, we need these, uh, you know, ask Mr. Daniels behind you, we need this equipment because it's, you know, I know air conditioning equipment is unique in and of itself. I'm going to ask Mr. Daniels to come and address the board. It's basically, Mr. Daniels, we, we very, Mr. Daniels, very briefly, thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, yes, we do. We do need these services, especially running into the summer months okay. uh, and around our uh, our cruise terminals. Yes, okay. Then I'll look. Okay. Any further commission discussion? It's been moved and second. Yeah. All yeah. in favor, say aye. 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 I wanted to just say something, just in closing, just to remind everybody that they also have not uh, lived up to our criteria and policies by not providing domestic partnership benefits. Okay, because that okay. is our policy. Revote. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? No. Okay. That passes eight to one. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Item 24, Senator Geller. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Item 24, Kyle. Item 24 is a motion to approve plat note amendment to Nuri al-Islam. Okay, Senator Gill, I think you just have a comment on this particular yes, quasi-judicial Under, under the old politics is local on item 24. This is on the Nuri al-Islam uh, mosque and school in my district. I've received a lot of comments on this based not on the mosque, but uh, the fact that there is a great deal of traffic there and this they are already and they're over tripling the size of the school i have spoken with staff there are provisions that have been made to enlarge both the the back road and to put in turn lanes uh, and because we're dealing with that traffic i'm fine with this but since i've had so many comments about the traffic from my district. I just wanted to assure them that uh, the city has dealt with that uh, and all of the, the traffic issues that concern me and my constituents have been resolved. Therefore, and you move the point, item? I'd like to move the item. Moved by Senator Geller, second by Commissioner Dean. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. All righty. We're going to move on now to that concludes our consent agenda. Okay, very good. 
We're going to move on to our public hearings. The district got public hearings. Item 30 through 42 are public hearings. We're going to begin with item number 30. Kyle, if you please read. The public hearing on item 30 is now open. Item 30 is a motion to approve the Marine Terminal Lease and Operating Agreement between Broward County and HM Southeast Cement LLC for a 4.91 acre parcel of land and improvements located at Port Everglades with an initial 10-year term retroactively commencing on March 1st, 2023. This is the first of two public hearings. No vote on the motion is required at this time. The second public hearing will be held on May 23rd, 2023. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Everybody understand that this, again, will not take a vote today on this particular item. It will be uh, reheard on May the 23rd. Are there any discussion on the item itself? Okay, well, we move on to item number 31, correct, Mr. Myers? Do you need a, do you need a motion to open and close it? No, because there's no vote, okay? Item 31, Kyle. The public hearing on item 31 is now open. Item 31 is a motion to adopt resolution releasing a 35-foot wide utility easement, a 15-foot wide utility easement, a 30-foot wide utility easement, and a portion of a 15-foot wide utility easement, all granted by instruments recorded in the official records of the county and located in the city of Dania Beach. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public now portion closed. Commission discussion? Move approval. Moved by Senator Geller, second by Commissioner Dean. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Item 32. The public hearing on item 32 is now open. Item 32 is a motion to enact an ordinance adopting a small-scale amendment to the county land use plan map PC 23-1 located in the city of Fort Lauderdale. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Move it. Second. The public portion is now closed. Now commission discussion. Move it. Moved by Commissioner Second. Bogan. Seconded by Commissioner McKenzie, I believe I heard. Absolutely. Okay, yes. very good. You did. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes 9-0. Thank you, Mr. Myers, for reminding us to be robust in our voting. Item number 33. The public, the public hearing on item 33 is now open. Item 33 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to impact fees and environmental review approvals, amending sections 5-182.13, 5-184, and 27-66 of the County Code of Ordinances. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion closed. Commission discussion. Move it. Moved by Commissioner Bogan, second by I, Commissioner I do want to make a Rogers. comment. I think this is awesome I'm, I'm a contractor and you go over there to for that first leg of the process and if you don't get out of there in two days you've already lost time and by the time you go back to your architects to make sure everything checks out you'll never make it back to a city in 30 days i mean it's this is perfect it should be a little longer but we're making progress thank you commissioner mckenzie again moved by commissioner bogan second by commissioner rogers any further discussion all in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Item 34. Um, the public hearing on item 34 is now open. Item 34 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to claims against or by the county, amending section 1-51.3 of the County Code of Ordinances relating to authority to file and settle certain claims and providing authority to approve consent orders. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion closed. Commission discussion? Move it. Moved by Commissioner Bogan, second by Commissioner Furr. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Item 35. 
The public hearing on item 35 is now open. Item 35 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to contractors, amending various sections of chapter nine of the county code of ordinances and providing for consistency with section 9.01 of the county charter. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion not closed. Commission discussion? Move it. Second. Moved it by Commissioner Bogan, second by Commissioner Dean. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 9-0, thank you. Item 36, we're on. The public hearing on item 36 is now open. Item 36 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to surtax funded transportation improvements, amending chapter five, article nine of the county code of ordinances, creating division nine, article, creating division nine sections 5-210 through 5-216, establishing regulations for the siting and permitting of county surtax funded transportation improvements. This is the first of two required public hearings. No vote on the motion is required at this time. The second public hearing will be held on May 23rd, 2023. And we have one member of the public signed up to speak. Very good. We'll have our public uh, speaker please come forward. State the name if you George would. George Platt. Mr. Platt. Morning. George Platt. Mr. Platt. Mr. Platt, just one second. Hey, George. George. Right here, you're running everybody away. People leaving. Just for the uh, no, no, just for the record, we're going to allow <laughs> folks obviously to use the Maybe the facilities, but obviously know. the hallway has been blocked off too. So once they use the facilities, they'll be coming back into the chambers again. Sorry for the inconvenience, folks. But safety is first here in the county. So, Mr. Platt, go ahead. Thank you, uh, George Platt, uh, LSN Partners. Also serve as the co-chair of the uh, Broward workshop transportation committee and obviously we've been heavily involved for a number of years in the surtax charter amendment and then the subsequent amendment which we're here to talk about today it's taken 27 months since the voters overwhelmingly approved the charter amendment to empower the county for development approvals when there are these qualified transportation projects of some controversy the intent, of course, was to help implement the regional transportation system. And by the way, I'm not speaking on behalf of the Briard Workshop. I'm, just, I'm giving you my personal opinion here today. But also, uh, uh, this ordinance, I know that Drew and his people and county staff spent an enormous amount of time reaching out to municipalities, trying to build some consensus on this. Okay. You okay? I'm good. I just want to make folks, folks, if you just please quiet. We have our public hearing going on, so I just want to make sure we get on the record. Thank you. They're having a caucus in the back. Yes. Like. So um, this section of the uh, ordinance requires that every qualified transportation project be submitted to the municipality for site plan approval. Okay. Unless seven, not a supermajority, seven county commissioners vote to declare it a project of urgent criticality. Uh, I'm distressed by both the site plan approval and the ridiculous uh, percentage of commissioners required to advance a project under our surtax program. Uh, the uh, charter amendment uh, itself provided that under section 11.01D, that the county ordinances regarding development of such transportation improvements, including county regulation of zoning, permitting, construction, 
operation or administration prevail over any conflicting municipal ordinances or regulations. To me, permitting, and you all have either permitted things as lawyers or you've sat on municipal boards, site plan approval is a permit. So I'm just befuddled as to how we got site plan approval for the municipalities when the charter amendment said ex exactly something opposite. And I'm troubled by requiring seven commissioners to declare a project uh, of a critical nature. Um, uh, anybody who's ever gone through site plan approvals in municipalities, which is all of us, knows exactly what can happen. It's an invitation for conflict, it's an invitation for delay, and smart people can figure out how to really just blow your project out of the water. So I'm just very concerned about those two particular provisions. I understand, by the way, the charter amendment requires that you hold a public meeting on the project. Not a site plan approval, but a public meeting. And that you reach out to build consensus. And other provisions of the charter amendment also talk about how to build sort of environmental and aesthetic, uh, uh, um, you know, to make the project better. So I'm just troubled by this and I thought I'd bring it to your attention. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Blatt. Thank you so much. That concludes our public portion of this public hearing. Are there any commission discussion? Commissioner, Senator Geller, followed by Commissioner Ryan. Uh, County Attorney, um, I recall the discussion whether that should be six or seven. We typically only require five votes to do something. Um, is there, uh, I'm aware that the Cities have been threatening litigation, even though I think they already lost once on this topic. Um, have they agreed? It, why did we go to seven instead of six? Is this part of an agreement that we made with them that they said if we do this, then you know they'll reluctantly accept it and not sue? Or are they still threatening to sue again, even though as I said, my recollection is they lost the first time. Yes, thank you, uh, Senator Geller and Mayor. Uh, the, the cities did lose the first time. That was over the, the ballot question, which they uh, asserted was defective, uh, deceptive, and misleading. Uh, and uh, then once that was resolved, and I think those of you who are here will remember you know, how upset some of the cities were that we were even putting this on the ballot, and it, it came down to a vote. We put it on the voters overwhelmingly. Uh, approved it. So after we prevailed in the litigation, uh, our marching orders, as I understood them, were to, to try to be collaborative, to try to get something worked out uh, with the municipalities that would avoid uh, potential litigation, because initially there were some statements that they could uh, litigate the substance of it, which they can. Uh, and let me just say for the record, we like our case, uh, but there are no guarantees in litigation. Uh, as part of those discussions, uh, we went through this uh, soup to nuts. Uh, we tried to focus uh, on the uh, most significant projects in a way that would give the county complete control uh, over the development of those projects, as would be permitted, as Mr. Platt mentioned, as would be permitted by the Charter Amendment. Uh, so we came up with this bifurcated process for routine projects, which ought to be the vast majority of them. Uh, municipalities would be involved in site plan approval if they denied it or they unreasonably delayed it, the county could withdraw the application and could handle it itself just with the same six-vote finding. Uh, so the six versus seven 
The reason that we got there, it might have been my suggestion, I don't remember all of the discussions, uh, just a, it's a policy decision and it was a staff level suggestion, this board can do whatever it wants and it would be a very simple amendment, but my rationale for proposing it is uh, we wanted to have an extraordinary vote under the charter to trigger any of our powers uh, under this provision. There has to be some finding by a vote of six, so in a sense, six is, is the standard majority just to trigger this. And so the thinking was to, to go to seven on it. Senator, we have not get, gotten uh, any ironclad guarantees that there will not be litigation, uh, whether it's six or seven, uh, there could be litigation. We are not required to let the, the cities here, in our opinion, uh, handle site plan approval for the more, more routine projects. We could just, this could have been a lot shorter, a lot quicker, and I could easily say, uh, the county's handling all of these things, and, and that's what we'd wind up litigating if there's litigation. So if there's uh, anyone who would like to see any amendments to it, this is just the first of two public hearings on the item. Uh, we can draft them. Uh, the seven to six would be a really easy one. Uh, please let us know, and, and we're happy to address them. Follow up. Um, and explain why it's six and not five, which is a majority of the nine-member commission. I thought it, the charter amendment said six to take it up or something, but was it, once we have voted to initiate this, is it still the charter, still six votes to pass it as well? Uh, I, I believe that there is one finding or potentially two, depending on if there's an aesthetics issue also, that this board needs to be made, that needs to make by six votes. And that's going to be required to exercise our powers under the, this ordinance, which uh, implements the charter. So we can't do it if, if four people on this board uh, were opposed to a, a project proceeding where the county is going to control the development, we wouldn't be able to proceed. There has to be at least one finding by six votes. It does not have to be seven under any circumstances. And it, you know, it could theoretically even be five to make a finding of criticality. It could be three. Uh, it could be any commissioner objecting to it. it, it there, there's no mandate that we have the cities involved in this at all. That's what the voters decided based on the charter question. We were just trying to work things out and to focus on the projects that I think really led to us even putting this on the ballot and trying to be mindful of the city's concerns about home rule power. Well, final comment, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I would, uh, uh, county attorney and to the city reps, I always try and negotiate, but I try and negotiate. Negotiation requires both sides to give. So I would be okay with the seven as a negotiated settlement if we received assurances from the cities that they weren't suing us. If, there's, you know, if they're not willing to make that commitment, if you know there's a risk that they're going to sue us anyhow. I don't see what we are gaining by going from six to seven. So uh, if I ask you to find out over the next two weeks whether or not there's an agreement from the cities not to litigate, if there is not such an agreement, you know, I personally might be inclined to go with six because give and take requires giving and taking, not just giving. And, and Mayor and, and, and Senator, 
Uh, we will ask. I don't know that we can get an ironclad guarantee. That would be something that the city commissions would have to decide. But I will point out something that I, I think I tried to point out in each of the briefings. Uh, this is an issue within the county's control. So if we're moving forward with seven to try to be conciliatory mm -hmm. here and we end up getting sued, uh, it would take exactly two public meetings to change it to six or to change it to five or to eliminate the city's having site plan approval uh, over any project. So it, it would be within our control. It's not like we're putting it, again, on the ballot where it's required seven and then the voters would have to. But you're, you're right. I completely agree. And we will raise that with the municipal council. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Thank Mayor. Thank you. And just for the, uh, for the boards uh, and, and the public here, we had a time certain for 1130 for item uh, 47, I believe it was. Um, there are several folks that want to speak on the item. They're not able to get in right now. So we're going to have to delay that. So those who are here, I'm sorry. Please be patient. We want to make sure everybody will be able to be heard, okay? So we're going to continue to move the agenda until we make sure everybody's in here to be able to speak, all right? Continue discussion on number 36, Commissioner Ryan. When this item came up, and I guess it was about two years ago, um, there was um, you know, a big push by some of the municipalities uh, you know, saying, well, we have municipal home rule powers, and uh, for you to um, get site plan approval uh, without our uh, review and approval um, is, um, you know, usurping uh, that authority. And it was recognized that the counties also have uh, home rule powers. They have regional home rule powers. And in the discussion, it kind of became evident, uh, you know, to me that if the county is going to move forward with this type of a uh, surtax funded uh, transportation improvement, it, it's something that is um, integral to uh, the transportation needs of the county. And that's really the reason why, um, you know, the voters overwhelmingly uh, approve this. Uh, so, you know, if we're going to, you know, provide these uh, enhanced services, I don't think that we should be, um, um, you know, in any way hindering our ability to get these projects through. They're uh, thoughtfully analyzed by the county before they're uh, submitted to the uh, municipality uh, for review. And um, I think that within our process, it, it, it provides, you know, opportunities for public input and uh, for further negotiation. So um, at the end, you know, if we get to that point where, um, you know, we need to have uh, seven votes, um, you know, it concerns me that somebody might, um, you know, have been able to uh, kind of like buttonhole a couple of commissioners and, uh, you know, because, you know, we do um, serve in districts and um, it may not be what's in the best interest of the county as a whole. So if we continue to remember, you know, what our role is as a, a regional stewards and also continue to uh, recognize um, the importance of transportation in uh, the, the county's, uh, you know, regional goals, um, I would suggest that um, uh, giving um, the county the, uh, you know, you could say it's the right, but actually, you know, it's, it's kind of like the uh, impediment that you have to have, uh, you know, six uh, affirmative votes. I think that's sufficient. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, 
and vote against this. And if uh, no other member does so, uh, I'll sponsor the amendment uh, to change the supermajority uh, from seven to six when it comes up at the next hearing. Very good. I have Commissioner Furr followed by Commissioner Dean. Thank you. My, my recollection of this is when we were talking about um, trying to have, have consensus with the cities on this, it was, it was more aesthetics because you're going through, you might have a, a, uh, a large road going through it, numerous cities, but every city's got their own look, their own feel. They're trying to make sure that it fits in. That's to the to that extent. I was okay with there being some site plan. Just hold on one second, Commissioner. For I've just got noticed that uh, we are all clear now. So if you wish to leave, you more than have to leave. Okay. What? It's just all clear. Yeah. And I've just got Commissioner Fur just to continue to hold on here till we get the, the room clear. It must not have been that exciting. <laughs> I thought they were all here for you. I know. I know what happened. I'll give. I'll give them a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, I want to thank everybody for their patience as they uh, leave the chambers. I think it's quieted down enough, so I'm going to have Commissioner Furr continue on in time. Ladies and gentlemen, just keep your voice down just a little bit so we can continue with our business. We appreciate it. Thank Mayor, you. Mayor, while they're going out, can I ask, can I just interject something? Yes. Minister, uh, Ms. Sapero, I just wanted to say, you know, you got an, while we're waiting, you got an award. Uh, I want to commend you on that award. And, uh, you know, I don't know about anyone here. I've worked with Monica on a bunch of projects. She's been really great. So I'm not going to be joking around being serious with you, and I just want to thank you for everything. So thank, it's, thank you. It's difficult to tell when Commissioner Bogan's serious or not, right? <laughs> no, no, she deserves it. She's worked on my health project. She's been. That's great why I wanted to that. recognize her. <laughs> okay, know. Commissioner Ford, go ahead. Okay, I was as I was saying. What is, happened to the room? It's empty. I, we ran them right out. Um, my recollection was that this was more to do with aesthetics. Um, cities have their own look, their own feel, so I, I understand that part. Um, but I, I actually support what Commissioner Ryan's saying. I don't think we should be having seven. I think that's too much. Um, I'd rather have just be a regular majority myself. Um, and I don't know if that's possible, but that's the way I think we should be doing it. Um, you have many, in, in numerous instances, you have one city being represented by more than two commissioners. Um, and, and all you have to, and, you know, we've seen a little bit of that happen not too long ago. Uh, <laughs> really? Really? So I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of it. Um, so I, I do think that if, uh, if, that, if it comes to pass, I would, I would rather see it be a simple majority. So you have that opportunity to make that amendment uh, with Mr. Myers, of course, when it comes up for next vote, okay? Commissioner Dean, followed by Vice Mayor Rich. Um, I think that the comments that Mr. Platt made are very similar to the comments that I got from the county attorney when I had my briefing, and I think that they're both correct. We don't have to do anything here. We could just go by the, by the language that was done in the Charter Amendment, and this was done with the Weston Park and Ride that we were going to build, and that's what started this. With that said, I think as a, as a collegial body with our municipalities, 
if they came into us, we would give them these chances to have these meetings and we would say, because we've said it on everything that's come before us, whether we can do it or not, we always say, well, kick it for a few months, meet with the community, and let's try to get to some kind of resolution on this. <clears throat> these type of projects are crit... Oops. Okay. All clear. All clear. These type of projects are critically... Attention, please. Okay. The lockdown has been lifted. Everything is going back to normal. We will resume normal activity. I'm, I'm just going to end my comments by saying I'm going to support what's here today as a show of good faith with our municipalities. I agree with Commissioner Furr. I think we should lower the number. I don't think we need to be at seven. If we determine that something is of critical regional transportation importance, we should be able to do it. It could just be a simple majority. I don't, we could, we could, we don't even need to do any of this. So just giving them the ability to come here, which I know we would give them anyway, but I'm going to support this to move this forward now. Um, There's no vote today, member. I'm not going to vote today. <laughs> so, but when it comes back, I'd just like to see us work on those numbers. But I think just in policy, even though we don't have to do a thing, I think it's a better practice because these are all the same residents of us and the municipalities. So it's an olive branch. Thank you, Commissioner. Vice Mayor Rich. Thank you. Um, Okay, so I think pretty much uh, it seems like we're in accord here, but I just want to say that this goes for me way beyond aesthetics. Um, it really goes to the, to the regional needs of transportation in Broward County. And it kind of reminds me of affordable housing because, you know, we have a lot of trouble citing and planning for affordable housing. Uh, people don't want it. Uh, and I have to say, I mean, the, the, voters, the voters voted. Um, they understood the needs in this community and they only get worse, the transportation issues in, in the county. Uh, so um, I, I feel that, um, uh, first of all, I, I, I do believe we should just have a simple majority. Um, I think, um, as was just said, I mean, we don't really have to do anything. And um, I think it's good to work with the cities, but I can say when, we, when the surtax was up, I, I was fighting when I was going out to speak, I was talking against all the people in my cities. Uh, who didn't want it, but the people wanted it. So I think we should not change it in a way that diminishes what we were able to pass and what they mandated us to do. Okay, is there any more discussion on the item? If not, uh, Mr. Myers, I think you've heard, I think you'll see some amendments basically focusing on the vote issue, whether it's seven, six, or five. Uh, so we look forward to that at the next hearing on the 23rd of May. Item 37, Kyle. Public hearing on item 37 is now open. Item 37 is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to the Garden Park Districts, amending section 39-4 of the County Code of Ordinances, providing for, an ad providing for additional definitions and creating article 40 of chapter 39, establishing the Garden Park Districts, providing for their description, purpose, general provisions, use, development standards, parking, access, landscaping, signage, and non-conforming uses and structures therein. This is the first of two required public hearings. No vote on the motion is required at this time. The second public hearing will be held on May 23rd, 2023. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Okay, there's no public speak. The public portion closed. Any commission discussion on this particular item? Seeing none, we'll be voting on that on May 23rd. Very good. Item 38. Public hearing on item 38 is now open. Item 38 has two parts. The board will consider and vote on both parts at the same time. 
Part A is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the general fund and the Broward Municipal Services District Fund in the amount of $148,068,897 to adjust to adjust the fund balance and other budgeted revenues and to appropriate funds for other commitments. Part B is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the County Transportation Trust Fund in the amount of $6,549,881 to adjust the fund balance and other budgeted revenues and to appropriate funds for other commitments. Uh, no member of the public has signed up to speak. Okay, but public course and close. Any commission discussion? It's been moved by Commissioner Furr, second by Commissioner Bogan. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0, thank you. Item 39. Public hearing on item 39 is now open. Item 39 is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the special revenue funds in the amount of $251,427,773 to adjust the fund balance and other budgeted revenues and appropriate funds for two reserves and other commitments. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion close. Is there a motion? So moved. moved by Commissioner Furr, second by Commissioner McKenzie. I was going through him. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Item number 40. Public hearing on item 40 is now open. Item 40 is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the capital funds in the amount of $151,132,575 to adjust fund balance and other budgeted revenues and appropriate funds to reserves and other project commitments. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Public portion closed. Commission discussion? Motions? So moved. Commissioner first, second by Commissioner Dean. Why did everybody get so quiet on the motions? Almost everybody's got quiet. We lost the audience, so everybody wants to show off. Okay. All right. No further discussion. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9 0. Thank you. Item 41. Public hearing on item 41 is now open. Item 41 is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the enterprise funds in the amount of $15,061,614 to adjust the fund balance and other budgeted revenues and to appropriate funds to reserves and other commitments. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Move it, Board Mayor. Close. I got it. I got it. Move finally I, by, I, by I moved it. Rich. Oh, no. Oh. Vice Mayor Rich had said it to it, <laughs> and Commissioner Rogers seconded it. All in favor oh, say come aye. On. Opposed? She's sitting too close to you. <laughs> All in favor say aye. aye. Real strong. Aye. Real strong. Mm. Aye. aye. Okay. Opposed? <laughs> passes 9-0. Mr. Myers has like got this like laser on me for making sure. Item we, we have an issue with the motion, sir. Item 42. <laughs> the public hearing on item 42 is now open. Our final public hearing item is item 42, which has two parts. The board will consider and vote on both parts at the same time. Part A is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the debt service funds in the amount of $5,853,279, primarily to adjust fund balances and to appropriate funds to reserves. Move it. Second. Part B is a motion to adopt supplemental budget resolution within the internal service funds in the amount of $11,352,070, primarily to adjust fund balances and other budgeted revenues and to appropriate funds to reserves and other commitments. Move it. Second. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Thank you, Kyle, for your patience. I appreciate you so much. Public portion not closed. We'll I heard, I did we moved A and B. I heard Commissioner Bogan, and then I heard Commissioner McKenzie second in tandem. In tandem. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? 
Motion carries nine zero. That concludes our, our public hearing. Back on our regular agenda. I don't believe is our delegation gentleman here yet. We are uncertain, but if you want to take that up, you can certainly ask. If I'm just trying to uh, make sure there's a delegation. Mr. Call Grant is he in the uh, room? Okay. If not, we will going to continue on with the agenda. We're on item number 45, Kyle. Item 45 is a motion to approve purchase and sale agreement between Broward County and Pompano Beach Hospitality LLC for the purchase of real property consisting of approximately 5.19 acres and located in the city of Pompano Beach for a purchase price of $7,250,000. Authorize the mayor or vice mayor to execute the agreement and the county administrator to attest the same and authorize the director of real property and real estate development to execute and process all customary closing title documents. Very no good. member of the public has signed up to There's speak. no member of the public. I'm going to go over to uh, Ms. Sapiro first, uh, and then I'm going to come back to the commission. I'll start this discussion off, if I may. Go ahead. Thank Sapiro. you, Mr. Mayor. So this item um, is one that uh, initially uh, we were made aware of uh, by conversations that you had actually had in Pompano, and, and you brought this opportunity to us um, back last summer, this past summer, and, um, and so we've been keeping our eye on it and, and looking at it as an opportunity um, to do some uh, uh, affordable housing um, that you had suggested might be um, a good fix and mix in that area um, to address um, the, the current state of the property. Um, we did our due diligence and over time um, that uh, we did some appraisals and, and the appraisal amount um, um, the above 10% above the appraisal amount uh, would require the six votes, but um, we, we really thought that this would be an opportunity um, in that area that would be uh, viable and good. Um, and, and since there's some other interest in the air on this property from other um, uh, folks that we thought we'd bring this forward. Very good. I'm going to have commission discussion. Just I'm going to go out of orders because of this item is, is very special to me. Um, the history of this property, um, it sits on the Northwest 31st Avenue corridor. Uh, and actually, when I was mayor of Pompano Beach, I actually uh, attempted to um, pursue this property for purchase for housing affordability, housing for the opportunities there. And since that, um, it has now come to light that the, the county has an opportunity to indeed purchase this property. And uh, for several years since 2018, since I've been on this board, uh, this board's priority, number one priority, has always been how affordable housing. And as you look back on this particular property, the corridor that's happening, um, this corridor is going through a transitional period. There's actually a board that's been appointed by the city. Uh, staff and I have had several discussions with, uh, with the city of Pompano Beach. They understand what we desire to do here. Uh, they are in full support, including the local commissioner, Mr. Barry Moss, is in support of this. And so I would hope that uh, this board would definitely uh, move this item forward and, and again, you know, as we talk about uh, housing affordability, uh, you know, we need to put our money where our mouth is. And uh, I hate to use that saying, but it really is, is really appropriate in this particular issue. And we go back to the valuation of the property, although we had two appraisals on the property. This was pre-Senate Bill 102. Since Senate Bill 102 passed, it be able to opportunity for us to be able to increase density etc on the property to my opinion makes us much more valuable again that's a personal opinion being in the real estate industry but i think it does increase value so i think we're paying 
for the property a fair price, and I would hope and pray that this board would continue to move it forward at this point. So, Vice Mayor, I'll begin with you and by Commissioner McKenzie. Thank you. Well, I am in total support of this. Uh, not surprising. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just remind everyone that it's amazing, you know, what we've been able to do, especially last year when we had nine developments and we're, we're continually moving, but we're a built out county. And when we have an opportunity to buy land, to get land, and to be able to use it for uh, uh, affordable housing, either totally or partially, I'm su tremendously supportive. So, uh, and listening to the background and you know your uh, uh, you know relationship, understanding of the property and everything, I, I, I would just you know or just to go ahead and move this with the uh, uh, with the majority that need, that needs to be. Uh, had to pass it. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner McKenzie. I, I just want to um, echo the, the, the mayor's comments and um, it's, it's my district, uh, but I know that as a mayor, he worked diligently on this, um, knowing the history of, of Pompano Beach. Um, and I also got some feedback when I was on the ground um, um, campaigning about what the community wanted. I think this is a perfect fit. Um, um, I'm going to support it. and. Um, I also think we need to be a little more aggressive in that corridor because we have one that looks just like it to the north um, to really complete what the city of Pompano has been doing in that area for the last 10, 15, 20 years. So I think uh, we're right on point and um, I'm, I'm glad to be uh, a part of it. And this is just another way of us collectively uh, dealing with affordable housing. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Dean, followed by Commissioner Bogan. Um, on this piece of property, I'm in favor of what we're trying to do. I believe that it's the right way to do it. The issue that I have is paying so far above the appraised value. Um, this is a piece of property that has significant development issues on it. The, there's something on there that has to, by law, come down very quickly. <clears throat> and I think that, I, I mean, I. With what's going on right now in the market for for land, and that's really what this is, you're just buying acreage here. Everything on this property, the owners have to take down within six months anyway, or the city of Pompano is going to get this, you know, through lien foreclosure. It'll be a fight. But I have a problem personally, and it's not really totally a die on the sword thing. I'm willing to overpay in certain cases, but we don't make the affordable housing issue easier when we overpay for raw land. We make it harder because we drive the values up because if people know that they have a buyer that's willing to overpay, it makes it harder all the way around. And yes, we may eventually be able to get there where we're gonna be able to build something, but the owners of this property here, and I don't know who they are, they can't get financing now because the regional bank market has shut down on this. They have to take all this stuff down within six months anyway and to pay 20% over appraised value before we can do anything, in my mind, is just a very high price to pay. I would amend it that we should buy it, but we should buy it at the appraised value of the $5.5 million. If not, let them sell it to another developer who can build affordable housing there, and they'll get it done cheaper. Just my two cents. Yeah, just for the record, what Commissioner was talking about. You want to pay two cents? <laughs> no, no, I want to. I'm going to make a motion to amend at the time to pay what the appraised value is, and then we can vote okay. on it. Okay, I'm going to go. I'll make comments at the end. Commissioner Bowden, go ahead. 
So this area really touches three commissioners. Um, it was in my district last. It was you as mayor uh, before that. And we're we're glad you're touched. <laughs> we're all touched. Look, at, it's an ideal location. So I think when you're talking about appraised value, uh, you know, the, the location is really incredible. It's right by the turnpike. It's right there. And um, it, it doesn't come across, this doesn't come along too often. And so we do need affordable housing. And you know, Nan and I have been together marching that affordable housing march for years now. And, um, and, and so I'm gonna support this, uh, Mayor, just to let you know. Thank you. Commissioner Furr. I'm, I'm interested in the, how much um, density bonus, bonus density we can get on this. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it'll take it from about 45 units per acre to about 69 units, I believe, per acre. So you have a five plus acre site, so you can see the increased density 350 there. 350 units. Mm -hmm. Yes. Any further discussion before I wind up? I just, again, this is very uh, personal to me just because I have the relationship with the city of Pompano Beach. What Commissioner Dean was talking about, there is an unsafe structure uh, on the property, and I actually uh, went to the hearing last Tuesday, I guess it was, uh, to the unsafe structure board, um, and it was made very clear that they don't have that our intention, if we were to purchase the property, meaning Broward County, we obviously are going to demolish the improvements anyway because the, the travel lodge is unsafe there today. Um, the unsafe structure board understands our policy and our position, and they will obviously work with us uh, on a timeline that would be that if we don't have to be right at six months, obviously our target would be that, but uh, they are unfilling understanding what we need and our needs, so the city is obviously willing to work with us uh, all throughout this property, but ultimately once the property is demolished, all the code liens and everything really goes away because there's no more improvements on the property. As to value, I think the one appraisal was six and change. Um, again, I can I understand your, your uh, issue with the value, but again, I'm going to go back to Senate Bill 102. I think once that passed, this is pre-appraisal, uh, I think that's going to make a big difference if we appraise it again. Having that increased density, Commissioner Furr, uh, will really bring the value up. So at the end of the day, and also I want to thank, um, I'm not going to recognize him as Mayor Rydell, I'm going to recognize him as Mr. Rydell today, only for the reason is he represented the seller in this transaction, and he has been uh, truly a, a pleasure to work with. Uh, there's been some you know, tug of war back and forth, but ultimately um, he got what we needed to be. So I just want to thank you, Mr. Rydell. I don't know if you want to make any further comments on this, you, you feel free to. I know you signed up. Uh, for questions only, but uh, I can give you the opportunity maybe to speak on the item before we vote. Well, th thank you, Mayor. And this was just to provide some additional education. I was, I've was i been working with this property owner for almost two years and nuisance issues and things of that nature legally on my other hat. Uh, and we actually have an open application to rezone the property to I-1 with the city of Pompano Beach to warehouse it out. And my client would candidly, if he waited a little bit, do a lot better because your I-1 zoning right now is just the hottest commodity in Broward County. Uh, this touches my city, Commissioner Bogan, uh, your former district. This project is actually uh, going to be so well-timed and done with Broward College, with affordable housing at the North Campus right there, and it was something I really want to thank Mayor Fisher because this is something that, that I believe, there was a little, a little back and forth with the county, and I want to thank Monica and her entire team, but I think this is something that the region needs, and I think the corridor is going to be open up, and I, I think it's great that the county has the opportunity. So. And, and, and uh, Commissioner Eugene, to, your, to your, your comments really quick, there was a very strenuous back and forth. So I would urge uh, any amendments could potentially jeopardize a very good affordable housing project. Thank you, Mayor. 
Okay, very good. Any further? Yes, Commissioner Ryan, then we're going to wind up with a baby amendment uh, and then also vote if necessary. Commissioner I just want to make sure that um, we all had an understanding of uh, what the title status is. Um, so I'm told that the uh, travel lodge is, is got ongoing uh, code enforcement uh, violations that are accruing a daily lien. Um, it's my understanding no. that um, they're, they're not Commissioner Ryan at this point. Say what? They're not at this point. They're Mr. not. They're not. Mr. Okay, Rydell can, can mention that too. They're not accruing any additional. Um, um, fines, which would constitute a lien at this time. Uh, if, uh, if the county goes forward with the purchase, um, uh, I believe that, um, you know, if the property is conveyed, it's going to be conveyed subject to the lien um, and that the, the city of Pompano Beach would have to, in a separate proceeding, would have to, uh, you know, compromise or waive the lien. I just am concerned about the idea that we pay, you know, the seven point Two million, and then uh, it ends up that um, uh, we still have to pay. You know, uh, who knows? Two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand um, dollars in order to uh, get the lien satisfied. So if we'll get some clarity on that, Commissioner Ryan, if we can, either Mr. Mealy or Mr. Bardell. Yeah, I mean, either of us can. Dennis is obviously okay. the, the, the learned hand and things like this. Dennis, please. Um, we've had discussions with the city, and as soon as the building is demolished, all of the fines and liens will be dismissed. With no, fine, with, with no fines or a dollars paid. Right. With no fines or dollars paid. Okay. That was, that's correct. Okay, any further discussion? Okay, is there a motion? So moved. So moved by Vice Mayor, second by Commissioner Raj. I'm actually, I'm actually, it's his district. Well, Vice Mayor is seconded by Commissioner McKenzie since it's his district, okay? So I'm going to make just a oh. motion to amend Motion to amend. Go ahead. Um, my motion to amend is that we offer them the appraised value of the property. Is there a second to that amendment? Okay. I'll second it, but I'm going to vote against okay. it. Why would you even bring yeah. it up then? And you don't have to bring a second. Uh, just as a courtesy. If, I don't. Okay. Not hold, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. In that case. There's been an amendment uh, to it. Is there a second to the amendment? Hearing none, the amendment fails. Our original motion is to approve the item. <clears throat> Been moved in second. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? There were six votes that were necessary. So raise your hands just to make sure Mr. Uh, Myers can understand that it is unanimous. So we don't need to amend that up. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> it works out. Are we good, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Myers? Very good. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for the support. So appreciate Home it. Run. On item 47, do we have everybody now in the House? I see Mayor Ross, I see the uh -oh. uh, Commissioner Mayerson. Is one. there any folks? It's, it's Everything's everybody's here? In the okay, because I want to make sure that they got in the building. We thank you so much for your patience, Mayor and Commissioner. We're thank you so much. So now we're going to take up item number 47. Item 47 is a motion to approve interlocal agreement creating an independent legal entity known as the Solid Waste Disposal and Recyclable Materials Processing Authority of Broward County, Florida for the purpose of managing a countywide solid waste disposal and recycling system for a period of at least 40 years and to authorize the mayor and clerk to execute the same. Okay, how we're going to proceed with this item, I'm going to begin with Commissioner Furr to introduce the item and then I'm going to talk, go back to Mr. Myers because he sent a late night memo, then we'll go to staff any further questions, then we'll open it to the public. Commissioner Furr, you have the floor. Okay, thank you, Mayor. 
First of all, I want to thank all my colleagues for uh, sending me to garbage school for eight years. <laughs> I don't know how to repay you yet, but I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way. Um, and I also want to thank, I, 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 this, this has been a long time coming. I mean, it really has been eight years to, to get to this point. And there's a lot of people to thank. And just real quick, I want to thank our legal staff. You guys have done a yeoman's job and have been there the whole time making sure that the county's protected, and I just want to thank you for all of that. Um, Kevin, Michael Ruiz, Monica, invaluable, not only experience from behind, from, you know, no, I, you know from all kind of ways that is, that's helped frame it. Um, the working group, Greg, uh, Broward League of Cities, Mayor Lou, um, everybody, that whole group for we're, we have been meeting every two weeks for a couple of years now to put this together. So it's taken a while. Um, and I know I'm leaving out a few, but that's, those are the ones I wanted to start off with. Um, today I'm asking for your support for the interlocal agreement. Um, we are, there's, there's really three things that it is doing. It is bringing the decision-making, the control, and the transparency back to the public sector. It is going to establish flow control, and then it is going to establish the priorities and goals worthy of our county. Those are really the three main things we're doing. Um, for 30 years, I know, I know some have thought we're delegating this, this authority to someone other than ourselves. The fact is we delegated this authority 30 years ago to the private sector. We, we kind of run it, but the fact is we really have delegated it through the RRB. And the first 20 years of the RRB, everybody was envious of, the, of the, the solid waste program that we had. When I was on the RRB, people would talk about, I, I wish we had this in our county. I'd go to, you know, different places and they were all, they, they thought we had it just right. The last 10, we have fulfilled our statutory obligation. But that's about it. But that's about it. Uh, we've made sure there is a place for garbage to go. All four thousand, actually, all four million tons of garbage. We've we've said we have a place for it to go. Was it the best place? Was it the right place? Frankly, I know we can do better. And and how do I know that? Because in the last ten years, we have watched the on an, on a whole other front with regard to climate change, we've watched when we've, we've focused, we've watched, um, we've pulled counties and cities together to create incredible action plans, to create future conditions map, hydrological studies, seawall ordinances, we've been raising roads, and like I said, we developed action plans. So on one, on one hand, we've, we've done some great work. On the other hand, it's as if we've left the hose running in the backyard going full blast because that's, that's almost what we've been doing. When, why do I say that? Because our solid waste policy right now is primarily landfilling. That's primarily what we're doing. That's what we've said. Almost most of the garbage in Broward County, if it's not going to the, to the incinerator, it is going to Okeechobee, it's going to Medley, it's going all over the state. Some of it's going to Monarch Hill but it is essentially being transported to landfills throughout the state. Consequently, our landfill rates 
have skyrocketed in the last 10 years. Our recycle rates have absolutely plummeted. And for those who don't know, and I, I probably wouldn't have known this had I not been chair of the Climate Change Task Force, but landfills are one of the biggest generators of methane in the world. I never put the two and two together. And, and I will, t will tell you, the most climate change activists, this has been overlooked. By and large, this has been overlooked. So, um, and, and methane is 26 to 86 times more uh, it, worse than just carbon dioxide. It's, it's that, and so when, you, when the IPC, the International Papers on Climate Change, just came out on the UN, the, the, the issue on methane was front and center. And, and it will tell you that, that this is a short-term crisis, not short-term, to deal, short-term and being able to deal with it. And, the, and the, one of the best ways to deal with it is to bring that meth, those methane levels down. So we are contributing in many ways to our own demise in this. And that's something we need to be recognizing, that, it, that you know, we, are, we are at the epicenter of climate change, um, what's going to happen in terms of sea level rise, et cetera. We can't be on the forefront of contributing to it. We have to, we have to be, be the ones who are finding a way to um, get out of that. Unfortunately, landfilling is the cheapest way to get rid of garbage. And most cities uh, will, will go toward that short-term, those short-term savings. But it is at the expense of our future. It's at the expense of our future. And that realization is why we need all the partnerships we can get on this. And we need everyone to buy in. And which is why it, is, it makes sense to be partnering with the cities on this. Um, we, have to, we have to create a master plan, an alternative that is feasible, that essentially shuts that hose off and at the same time creates jobs and opportunities. By bringing it back to the public sector, we're going to be driven by service and stewardship of this issue, not by profit. And that makes all the, will make all the difference. So I believe this is a moment that this county commission can rise to and lead the way like we have before. And I ask for your support today. And I would like, to, would you like the motion now or would you like to wait? We'll wait okay. uh, because there might be some revisions that we have to vote on and I'm not sure. That's fine. The, yeah. the, the but motion, I will definitely, you'll make the motion. Uh, that's fine. But the, the motion will include the revisions. Correct. Okay. Very good. Mr. Myers is next. Thank you, Mayor. Are you creating a queue? I can begin, but I'm a public first. And, and Mayor and, and uh, Commissioners, as you know, we had the opportunity to brief uh, on this topic in, in quite some detail. Uh, so I'm going to uh, stick to, uh, the Mayor's asked me to discuss the revisions or the proposed revisions uh, to the agreement, and I'm going to stick with that. Uh, first, I want to apologize to you for getting them out so late yesterday. Uh, we, we had a feeling that was going to happen, so we sent you an interim draft on Friday. Uh, and alerted you to the fact that probably at some point on Monday we were going to have further revisions. Uh, it was important for us to complete all of our briefings uh, before providing these to you uh, and also to discuss these with the municipalities. We wouldn't want to surprise them because if this is approved, they're very much going to be our partners uh, in this process. So we just want to be transparent. Uh, there are five proposed revisions. Uh, four of them were listed in some form in the memo we sent out on Friday. 
but, but a couple of them have been revised since then. So I'm focusing now on the memo that we sent out yesterday at about 6.30. So it's the May 1st a memo, and I'll walk you through those five revisions. I, Mayor I ju and commissioners, I also want to just recognize for a second, we have Nathaniel Kutzberg and Matt Haber here. Uh, they've done really most of the heavy lifting. Uh, and while I'd love to take credit for a lot of things, once you ask questions and you realize that I need to defer to them, uh, you'll realize who did a lot of the heavy lifting here. So I may as well just recognize them up front. Uh, revision number one uh, is purely technical. There's a lapsed statute that was being referenced in the item that actually could have been problematic. Uh, so we recommend that that be uh, removed. Uh, so uh, we don't expect that to be controversial at all with any of the municipalities. Uh, revision number two uh, was developed after a concern was raised by a commissioner that uh, I won't, I won't uh, out any commissioners because these things were said privately, but uh, the commissioner may, may mention it uh, himself or herself at some point in, in the, the discussion. Uh, but it's such a long-term commitment. This is a 40 to 60 year venture. And over that time, the laws are bound to change. The statutes are bound to change. Uh, they, they seem to every year. Uh, and uh, the commissioner said, you know, maybe we should reinforce some boilerplate that you typically put into uh, an, an agreement to protect yourself from being caught between a rock and a hard place when you're contractually obligated to do something and, and the laws may change. So in our initial version on, the, on uh, Friday that we distributed, uh, we subsequently discussed that with uh, municipal council. They had a very good thought that maybe the way we were doing it would limit certain rights or challenges we could have in the future to certain laws. So we've modified it uh, in a way that's reflected uh, in the uh, May 1st memorandum. And our recommendation would be, just like with revision one, we would strongly recommend that revision two, the May 1st version, be included uh, in any agreement that's approved by the board. Uh, revision three uh, is probably the most significant uh, revision that we have, although they're, they're all important. Uh, there are certain outs under the agreement. There are a couple of different documents, downstream documents, that will have to be approved in order for this uh, authority to come fully to fruition. One of them is a master plan that would have to be approved just by uh, the governing uh, board. Uh, so that would be uh, municipal members and our one uh, delegee uh, to, to the board. Uh, and then there's a facilities amendment that would discuss all sorts of things about facilities that may be developed. Uh, it, it could be recycling facilities, it could be transfer stations, could be even waste to energy or landfills if we gave our permission to do that uh, down the road. That would have to come back to this board to approve and the timing of that would be uh, one and a half to three years down the road. Uh, so we know that if things develop in a way we don't like, we have the ability to basically end this venture, as the municipalities do as well. Uh, so our focus also uh, turned to, what about between now and then? How could this interlocal agreement impact our powers, because we do have statutory responsibilities, between now and when we ultimately approve the facilities amendment and the master plan is approved? And so what we've done is uh, revision three, the May 1st version, which is essentially identical to the April 28th version, it just added some language the municipalities wanted that we don't think is harmful at all. But it basically says very clearly, and I know some commissioners have a strong interest in, the, in this, that notwithstanding anything to the contrary that someone could argue exists in this agreement, between now 
And when those two documents are approved in the next two to three years, the county has the following powers. Number one, we can implement any recycling program that we think is necessary uh, uh, to torque up uh, recycling. Uh, now, we don't have control over the municipalities. We don't have control over the authority. So they may not like it. They may not participate in it. But nothing stops us from developing these things and trying to implement them and certainly do it in the unincorporated area if we wanted to do that. Uh, number two, uh, Kevin Kelleher and, and uh, Michael Ruiz are right now at the table uh, with Winways, which is the uh, new name for Wheelabrator, to discuss an extension to our disposal agreement because our disposal agreement, current one, expires in 2028 and there's no way that an authority could produce, for example, uh, new disposal capacity, a certainly publicly owned capacity, before then. So we want to make sure that there's nothing in this agreement that would prohibit us from having conversations to try to extend that agreement or enter into some other agreement that we think is necessary to meet our statutory obligations to ensure that adequate disposal capacity exists for everyone in the county. Again, as with recycling, the cities don't have to accept that. The, recycle, the, the authority doesn't have to accept that. We meet our responsibilities by making sure it's available. And if they don't accept it, uh, that's their, their issue. And then there was a third little point. This is all under revision number three. Uh, someone had mentioned during briefings, well, what happens if some municipality doesn't join this agreement ultimately? We would still have our statutory responsibility to make sure that they have disposal capacity available to them. So there's a provision in here, and this isn't limited to just before the formation conditions, before those two documents are signed. This lasts forever. If, if a city or a municipality doesn't sign up, we still have the ability to do what we need to to make sure we can meet our statutory obligation uh, to, pr to provide disposal capacity. So that's, that's number three, and we strongly recommend that the May 1st version uh, of revision number three, just like uh, revision number one uh, and revision number two, uh, be included uh, in any approval the board uh, does today. The fourth one was also raised uh, during briefings uh, and what this has to do is in ensuring the uh, independence, I guess, of legal counsel to the authority. Uh, Nathaniel and Matt could, could cite chapter and verse and provide whatever details you want, but essentially we have a lot of restrictions on who can serve as the executive director of the authority uh, to ensure some independence. Uh, those same provisions were not put in here regarding legal counsel. Uh, I, I guess some of us at the table, myself included, uh, had always assumed that there are certain very prominent local government law firms. Some of those firms may have folks serving as city attorneys. And I, I had, I know I'll speak for myself, had just assumed that someone uh, who's in that realm may very well, or one of those firms, may end up serving as legal counsel. Uh, there, were, there was a concern. Uh, some of it was based on things that happened before the MPO, where sometimes it seems like uh, we, we don't get a fair shake. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, and that maybe no a firm that has a city attorney within its ranks or 20 years from now, if you ever privatize my position or next week, whenever you do it, uh, no one in the no one in the county attorney's office, you know, could could serve either. I'll move uh, that. Uh, there you go. That's very good. <laughs> 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 Six a motion, a second and 20 weeks. That's it, my friend. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, so, so in any event, uh, we're, we're neutral on that because it's purely a business decision. The first three we think are very, very important from a legal standpoint. This we understand that there's a concern, but just in the interest of full disclosure, 
you also want to make sure that you, you, you have very capable counsel during the whole 40-year history. And you know, to the extent restrictions can, can block that, it's just something to be mindful of today. Uh, although the this agreement could always be amended if, if it caused a problem down the road. And then finally, number five, and this is the only new one, uh, and, and I'll, I'll just be very, very candid uh, on this one. Uh, you know, th this agreement is a long-term one. Uh, we don't stop reviewing it until the very end. And in light of our discussions with commissioners and in light of our discussions with, uh, with municipal council, and also understanding that we're in a far better place than, than we were eight or nine years ago when we went through sort of a bitter uh, a separation, uh, we, we just started thinking, well, because, and some of you have asked me, you know, who would control this authority? And in, in, for most things, it's going to be controlled by, mostly by uh, municipal elected officials. There were 11 members, gentlemen, of the governing board? Ten. Ten. Ten, 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 ten municipal and, and right. one county representative. So they're going to get to make a lot of these decisions. And we just went back through it and we just said, you know, what could go wrong? Not, not will it because we, I've worked with these folks a lot. I know they would never do it, but, but you don't draft things based upon who the incumbents are. You draft them based upon the risk. So we added one small clause in here, which frankly we think the municipalities uh, should like as much as we do, and I think it's consistent with everyone's understanding anyway, but there's, there's up to $6 million is gonna be paid over three years to finance this, this authority. The county share of that, and I'll go through the math if you want, but it should be roughly 550000 $500,000 for a study, a master plan development, and then about 1% of, of, uh, of the remaining $5 million amount, the other half a million for the studies coming from the municipalities. We wanted to make sure that, because the, the authority would have some power during this interim period, that it can't do things that would impose additional costs beyond that contribution on this board or, or any of our residents directly. So it's just a clause on there and notwithstanding anything to the contrary uh, in there prior to these formation conditions being met, which again is a couple of years down the road and we have control over that, at least one of the two documents. The authority shall take no action that any way obligates any party or any county resident, meaning municipal or, or unincorporated, to expend any money other than the amount specified under that clause, which calls for the six million. So uh, sorry if I went too fast, sorry if I went too slow. Sorry again for the late night or late don't, afternoon. Don't, don't apologize. Uh, but that's, that's where we are. Thank you. No, I, I think it's an amazing work, and I think it needed to be on the record so everybody understood exactly what those revisions are. Okay, so thank you. Mr. Perro, through Mr. Culler, any further comments or before we open the public? Andrew very, very thoroughly covered it all, and, um, and, and thank you again for the acknowledgement. I know our folks have been there with Nathaniel and, and uh, Mr. Haber every step of the way, so thank you. Okay, I don't see Kyle as far as signed up for the public speaking. I do have a note here that Mr. Philip Fortman wishes to speak on this item. So, Mr. Fortman, would you please come forward? And you'll have three minutes to speak on yes, the item. Yes, my name is Phil Fortman. Uh, Commissioner Steve Geller is my district representative. On this subject, I've had brief discussions with uh, Nan Rich over the phone and Steve at a recent event, um, and of course, Beam Fur. Uh, if I approach the, the dais and give each commissioner an exhibit, what I'm offering is a model. You, you would give that to uh, Ms. Sapiro and she can, or Ms. Campbell, she can distribute. Thank you, sir. 
This organization, Glass Half Full, was started actually by university students in uh, New Orleans. And it, as you can see from the exhibit, it has been successful enough to advance to uh, investment in capital equipment to process uh, bottles, all glass things, from commercial establishments, bars, restaurants, and hotels, uh, of which New Orleans has more than a few, as does Broward County, where we have bars, hotels, and restaurants. Uh, this is not a mandated program in New Orleans. This is voluntary by these commercial establishments. And of course, they want to present to their clientele um, an image of being green or compliant uh, by recycling this glass. Uh, the product is chiefly sandbags. This is a commodity we certainly need after the recent weather events here in this county. Uh, there are some th things that are taken out of the mainstream, like blue glass or uh, glass that is uh, sold separately. But primarily, they uh, provide their um, delta management and environmental concerns with these sandbags. Um, uh, I hope most I would hope that I would hear a motion to further study this organization, find out about their cash flow and the feasibility of implementing such a program. It could eventually be integrated into the program proposed uh, by Commissioner Furr, uh, or could run completely parallel and uh, be implemented sooner. Um, I hope you all uh, will investigate this organization in uh, Louisiana and whether we look to the commission for funding or uh, backing and endorsement uh, would be entirely up to the commission. Thank you, Mr. Fortman. I don't see anybody else signed up, but again, this was kind of an unusual situation today. Mayor Ross, did you want to say anything or Mr. Marison? Okay, very good. Okay, just want to make sure anybody else want to speak on this particular item from the public. Okay, I'm going to now shut the public portion down and going to have commission discussion at this point. I know we're reaching 1230, so I'm going to ask for a motion that we continue the meeting Move at it. least for this item, and maybe more, but for this item okay. now to continue on. It's been moved and second by second, second by Senator Geller. May move by uh, Commissioner Bogan. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? We are now continuing the meeting. Okay, now I have a queue starting with Commissioner Bogan, followed by Senator Geller on this item. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I just want to ask Council one quick question. When you say you're forming an entity, is it a C Corp? Is it an LLC? What are we forming? Commissioner Bogan, this is an independent entity, independent entity created under Chapter 163 via the ILA. It's not a C Corp. It's not an S Corp. It is just, a, it's akin to a, a, a independent special district, but again, it's provided for by ILA. Okay. Does is there a way to establish like a preferred A or preferred B when you structure it? Because any entity has to have directors, they have to have officers. I assume they have to have some mechanism, bylaws, articles, some type of organization a way for things to operate, correct? Absolutely, Commissioner, and that's okay. provided for in general in the okay. uh, interlocal agreement in terms of both the governing structure, which is a governing board, which is akin to your board of directors, the executive committee that uh, Mr. Myers referenced that is made up of uh, 10 of the members of the governing board plus the county's representative on the governing board. So you have your officers in the form of the executive Okay, so well. what I'm getting at is, um, uh, you know, in most corporations, you could have a preferred A and B, and I was hoping that we'd have one type of a, a structure whereby um, the county would be responsible for, um, like, the managing day-to-day -day entity, um, like hiring the person who manages it and, and really involved in the day-to-day -day entity. I've talked to some people in some cities who said, you know, 
we don't know how to run it, we don't run it, and, you know, and while they can have a say, obviously they're going to be part of this, um, just like in any corporation, shareholders have a say. I, I'm just saying with respect to the, um, with respect to the management on the day-to-day, is, is it, I don't know if you want to consider, and maybe not right this moment, but consider uh, a way in which the, there's a structure uh, by which um, there's a preferred A or preferred B or something akin to that where uh, the county would be responsible for overseeing it and hiring the management of that. I think, Chris uh, Bogan, I think we have an answer to that already. I think that might, go ahead, I think Mr. Klutzberg, you want to comment on that or not? Again, um, the, the governing structure for the authority that's provided for in the interlocal agreement was developed over the past several years, voted on by the members of the Solid Waste Working Group. Commissioner, what you've just described is certainly a way of, of organizing an entity. Um, it's just not the one that the, the, the working group developed uh, and what's before you today. Mr. Byers. Yeah, and, and, and Commissioner uh, Bogan, maybe you'll, you'll take uh, some additional comfort from the fact that uh, even though there's this executive committee and governing board that gets to make decisions, God bless, uh, and, and, you know, in many instances uh, by majority vote, uh, for very significant decisions, uh, the, the county hasn't plays an outsized role, and in some, the county's consent is going to be required. So this was that. Well, wait, let, me, let me tell you what I'm getting at. Beam first has been working on this thing for how many years, Beam? Seven, eight years? Okay. So you have a very knowledgeable individual in this. Nobody in the cities that I'm aware of, maybe you could tell me, has been working extensively like this year after year after year after year after year like you have. And so what I'm getting at is if we're going to be creating a structure where you might have a waste energy spending billions of dollars, spending this kind of money for the entire county, it's only appropriate that you have somebody that, you know, we have the county that, you know, somebody with the expertise to, to oversee and run this, or at least to make sure that on the management side, we have that input. I think, uh, I think, Commissioner Bogan, I think Mr. Myers can give us that comfort, hopefully. No, I, it, it, it's only on certain things I well, think you're well, talking well, about. Well, well, just and, and thank you, Mayor and, and Commissioner, and, and I was going to continue for one second just to say that on, on, there are a couple of things that are really, really critical that the county w could not see control over, that this county has control under statute and the county has maintained that control in this document, and that has to do particularly with development of either a landfill or a waste energy plant. So this authority, in order, if let's assume that we ended up wanting to, and I'm not, I'm not presuming this, it may not work out this way, but let's assume that we wanted to develop some, you know, Palm Beach style system, which is thought to be the gold standard currently for waste disposal, and it was going to include a giant uh, waste energy plant with plenty of capacity and, and then a landfill there uh, to deal with it all of the permitting, county consent, you name it, and all the environmental stuff, and maybe there's state involvement as well, but they're gonna have, nothing cedes any of that power to this working, to this uh, authority. They're gonna have to go through the county, the county's gonna have to consent to it, the county will not consent to it if it doesn't make sense. Uh, and if it makes sense, one of the things, and it was stated by Commissioner Furr, that this agreement does, which, which is necessary to build any sort of system, is to get flow control. Uh, so the, the main thing we're getting out of this more than anything else is flow control as a result of collaboration and the cost of doing that is to develop the type of authority that puts most of this in the hands for most decisions of the municipalities. 
Real quickly, Morgan. Mayor, I'll try to finish this up, but Council, you told me that the the entity that's been established is the, the county has one seat, each city has one seat, so I, I don't know what that those seats and that board has of authority. I'm just talking about the day-to-day -day management of, of whatever we decide to do, whatever the city decides to do, that's fine. Who's in charge of the day-to-day -day management? And that's what I'm trying to say is that um, does that, is there an answer for that in the creation right now of something? Who's in charge of the day-to-day -day management? The day-to-day -day management of the authority would be by an executive director that's hired by uh, and, and approved by the executive committee. And who's on the executive committee? The executive committee is the 10 members that are okay, So I'm right. I'm right. The county, the county does, has one-tenth of one whatever vote. The county does not control that executive committee and does not control hiring. And that's what I'm trying to get at is I would I would urge this board to uh, to say that on, on a I'm on one issue only on the day-to-day -day management the 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 that board can vote on everything else because the cities are involved and everything but on the day-to-day -day management where we have the uh, knowledge expertise we had you know being involved with this for years we should be involved in, in making an amendment to that, and at least on day-to-day -day management, the county should have the first right to determine that. And, and uh, that's all I'm trying to urge, that we restructure on that one piece, uh, just on the day-to-day -day management. I, you know, my, one of my cities is Coconut Creek, smart people. They don't know how to run this. I, I can go city by city, okay? I think, is again, Beam's the one that's been involved in this, you know, with the help of, of our resources. And we should really, if we're spending, we're talking about spending billions of dollars, we should be the ones, um, and not make a mistake, we did with waste management on that other one, be in control on the day-to-day -day management. Thank you. Okay, we're going to continue discussion. We can come back if there's any amendments to make. Uh, Senator Geller, go ahead. Yeah. Followed by Commissioner Ryan. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. A couple items. Um, first, to follow up on what Commissioner Bogan is saying, uh, I think there's a lot of merit in saying that the cities and counties should have equal say, which is what I have been saying consistently, that I believe that we should be working in good faith as equal partners with the cities, which I am pleased to see that the cities have now agreed that any change to the major documents has to be approved by both parties, which is a true partnership. I agree with Commissioner Bogan that it would make sense to me also that the uh, attorney, the auditor, I believe there's three employees, attorney, an auditor, and a chief operating officer should also be hired by both sides agreeing to someone, but I don't wanna upset the apple cart too much right now. I agree with you philosophically. I'm not sure after all these negotiations that we can still change that. I will want to hear what Commissioner Furr has to say on that, but I, I agree with you philosophically, Commissioner Bogan and I will get to that in a moment on the attorney issue. Uh, I did have uh, two p potential concerns I just want to ask. I guess it's Commissioner Furr, but maybe it's the county attorney. I'm going to throw out two questions, and whoever can answer them would be great. 
Number one, it's my understanding that there is not a waste to energy slash burner provision dealt with in this, although we may do so in the future. Are we waiting for the authority to meet and do investigations before we reach a decision if we're going to go waste to energy? Because I think if something if the county does need to do, I'm just, I don't fully understand the role of the authority in determining that. And I'm hoping that somebody can address that and then I'll have a follow-up question so, on recycling. Uh, so whoever can answer that one. Mr. Furr, uh, I'm happy to answer that? that a little bit. Um, yes, with regard to waste energy or, the, or large disposal facilities, we are already looking at that. And, and I think revision number three allows us to continue forward because we're five years from now, we've got another global contract we have to be ready for. The fact of the matter is we need, we need that kind of capacity now. We don't have it. So we, that, that provision allows us to go forward as we speak. Um, at, at, through, through over the next 18 months to two years, there will be a master plan that will probably incorporate that into it. Okay, that answers my first so question sufficiently. It gives us room to do both. The I'm second sorry. one, and this is, I'm sorry. I'm, I, and Senator Geller, just to be very clear in yeah. terms of a waste energy plant or a solid waste disposal facility like a landfill, um, that the, the authority has no power to build or operate either of those things unless there is an amendment to the ILA that comes before this board and then a requisite number of the cities and you all grant the authority that power down the road. So that the issue of the actual ownership and operation construction rests with this board. Okay, thank you. And then my second question on that was on recycling. It's my understanding that this board would have control, and I may be wrong of recycling, the Solid Waste Authority. A concern that I have as Commissioner Furr, and I should have began by thanking Commissioner Furr for all of the work you've done on this for the many years. I'm going to get you back. <laughs> <laughs> but Commissioner Furr said something I was already planning on saying. What I think is my largest concern on this, and maybe Commissioner for, for or someone else can answer, is the issue of recycling because the county has a recycling program which works, you know, not as well as it should. Uh, that's another way of saying what I just said. <laughs> but at least we're trying. Uh, I, we all have different, we understand with China not taking stuff any longer, that the single stream is problematic. We all understand these issues. But mm -hmm. as Commissioner first said, it is cheaper today to landfill than to recycle. And a concern that I have is if we give the authority the authority, the discrete control over recycling, and the authority is controlled by the cities, and the, uh, Commissioner Furr has already said the cities may choose the cheapest option, which is landfill, as opposed to recycling. I would find that problematic because, and I know my mayor, uh, who I see is sitting there, been working, is also committed to recycling, but I can't tell you that the majority of the cities are willing to pay for extra 
for recycling. So that is a concern that I have. Can somebody address that to ensure that the authority or in whatever form that we will still have a robust, a robuster, if such a word exists, recycling, more robust, I know I, think I like I, robuster, recycling program than we have now. Legal counsel, go ahead. Thank you, Senator. Um, so right now we have very limited powers when it comes to recycling. We're only in charge of the BMSD. The nice thing about the way that the ILA has been tailored, the authority cannot force us to go below a certain standard. So if we want to go and be the best recycler in the unincorporated area that there ever was in the history of Broward County, this board will always have the authority to do that under this agreement. What the authority has the power to do, unlike this board, is to set minimum standards for source segregation. So that means if we were not to meet the authority's higher standard, this county for the unincorporated area and all the cities would have to rise up to meet that standard. Um, but there's, there's nothing that would prevent at any time uh, during the life of the authority and the ILA, the Broward County from setting higher standards for the unincorporated areas. Thank you. And then those are my questions. My one comment is I will be supportive of this uh, assuming that we adopt the five uh, amendments that are in there, I will be candid. I was the commissioner that uh, that County Attorney Myers mentioned on revision two. I bit was in the legislature on long enough to know that it is guaranteed that they will change the law. And I just wanted assurance that if they change the law, that we can make changes to the agreement. I'm glad that's in there. On item number four, which is the attorney, I do feel strongly on that. There are three options, and let me explain why. I think Commissioner Ryan can tell you about what has happened at the um, MPO where the county again is outnumbered and the attorney for the MPO, my understanding from publicly stated meetings is that they wouldn't, you know, you try to bring up issues and won't even recognize you. Um, I have a concern just because I've been practicing law for over 40 years on wanting strict ethics which should prohibit uh, conflicts of interest. I think that the attorney, if any of the large municipal firms, if um, if uh, Weiss Sirota, if um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Gorin. yeah, that, thank you. That's what Sam Gorin, Duty Ezroff, sure, what, what I can't keep track of, uh, but if any of them have an attorney that wants to leave their firm and become the attorney for the solid waste, then there's no longer a conflict. But I would have a problem with having somebody that is you know, a law firm whose large client is the city of Blackacre, and which pays them a million a year, and then the solid waste authorities paying them 250,000 a year uh, for, for a lawyer. I think that lawyer has a conflict 
because they have a impression that there is at least the appearance of impropriety and may actual, actually be impropriety where they have um, just, they're trying to answer to two masters. Our ethics rules should prohibit that. The answer is, well, you can get a waiver from both sides. As county, I wouldn't grant a waiver, but we would be outvoted on that. So I, I do have a problem with that. If I, and I particularly would have a problem if I'll use uh, Gorin only because I'm the chair of the South Florida Regional Planning Council and Sam is our attorney, and I love Sam, so I can pick on him. Um, I would have a problem if Sam Gorin, who I don't think would ever do it, were to say, well, I want to be the, the attorney for the Solid Waste Authority because he represents a bunch of cities, and while I know him to be as ethical as is humanly possible to be, I would have a problem, I would think there would be an appearance if he's representing four or five Broward cities that he would have to try and keep them happy. So I, I do intend to vote for this today if all five amendments are adopted. And uh, I would recommend for revision four, if you gave us three options, I would prefer um, option number two, which says that you can't be the attorney for any city. If there was uh, an issue that, well, the best lawyer in the state on solid waste happens to represent one city, I don't think there is any one best lawyer in the state on waste. I, I guarantee you there's enough that we can find. If I had to live with option three that says, well, you can represent one city, but not more than one city, I guess I could, but I don't really like that either. I prefer that we adopt option two. And with that, I would vote for this because, as I've been saying all along, I think the cities and the counties should be joint equal partners, and I believe that this, with the amendment, makes us joint equal partners moving ahead. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Moving on to Commissioner Ryan. This proposal is a long time coming, and uh, I was actually somewhat surprised that um, the um, governing committee, um, you know, actually took um, this period of time uh, to come up with uh, the proposal that's before us today. Uh, one of my um, uh, kind of overarching concerns has to do with uh, uh, what are our, our objectives, what are our policies, um, what will be the uh, deliverables, and uh, you know, uh, what entity is actually going to um, provide the services. So the, the county's position here is, you know, that by state statute, we have a responsibility um, to have uh, facilities um, sufficient to dispose of the, uh, of the solid waste generated within our county. Uh, but, and we've done so. I mean, with the county having, I guess back in like the 1980s, 
having acquired that um, 530-acre uh, facility out in Western Pembroke Pines, um, we do have the uh, capacity to do so. Um, and then, you know, some years ago, we, uh, we kind of um, split off with, uh, with waste management um, on um, waste to energy uh, disposal um, uh, facilities. And so we do it all uh, on the uh, Wheeler Brader plant that's down there off 441 and Griffin Road. Um, but, you know, the overarching uh, objective that, that I uh, believe that the, uh, the county has been um, um, responsible for and, and has really taken up the, uh, the cause is to increase uh, the amount of uh, recyclables uh, that we will have in the, uh, in the system. Um, somebody mentioned earlier, and um, I'm not sure who was the, um, the speaker, but it was uh, you know, to the point that um, the natural incentive is to um, dispose of your solid waste in the most, you know, economically uh, efficient uh, way that you can um, uh, dispose of solid waste. And uh, I think that the uh, environmental concerns kind of take, uh, take the backseat um, to uh, how do we keep the cost low and, um, you know, how, how do we dispose of all of the solid waste? Uh, what, like 98% of the solid waste is generated within the municipalities and, you know, it's their responsibility um, to, um, to dispose of it. Um, for some years, I've been suggesting that the county uh, participate in some capacity. Um, and, and the only real incentive that, that I felt that the, you know, the city's had to bring the county in is, um, you know, that will the county uh, make available uh, to the cities, um, the uh, the capital uh, facilities that the county has, and you know that's the uh, Western Pembroke Pines, um, you know, 500 some odd acre facility, and then uh, in, in a smaller um, sense, the uh, the Alpha 250 uh, parcel, um, and uh, will the um, I, I think the interest of the cities has been will the county um, you know, uh, be an active participant in, um, in solid waste that is recycled, um, and uh, will it do so, you know, on the county's dime? And, um, you know, the cities will, um, and I haven't seen a, a plan, but I guess it's, uh, you know, kind of uh, trust us, the cities. Uh, will um, cooperate with the county in a, um, a, a recycling program. So, you know, every, everything that I have heard is, is that the, uh, you know, you don't recycle and uh, make any profit. The question is, uh, how expensive is it to recycle, um, you know, a significant amount of, uh, of, of the solid waste? Um, I believe that um, the cities and the county both have not uh, done an adequate job to date on, uh, on the recycling issue. 
and our numbers are very low. It goes back to what I think I had mentioned before, um, is that you know you don't have um, under this our, our current structure, you don't have like an economic incentive uh, to do that uh, recycling. Um, and just like you know, in 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 some respects, and and you know, there's there's different variables that um, that um, bring this scenario about about is um, you know in the past it's been more economical for uh, much of the solid waste um, generated in Broward County to be um, you know shipped up to um, Central Florida, Kissimmee, or something like that, and, and then just landfilled. Um, it's uh, it's more expensive now, and so uh, you know I'm not uh, sure how much of it gets landfilled, but um, you know the less the better. I mean, you really don't want to um, be increasing, um, you know, our, our landfill, uh, you know, up there on the uh, Monarch Hill site. Um, you'd like to be able to uh, um, go ahead and go waste energy with, you know, your um, your your solid waste flow um, that you cannot recycle, and there is some part of your solid waste flow that um, you know, does have to be landfilled, but under certain circumstances, you can really minimize uh, that number. Uh, it just seemed to me that this um, proposal uh, for its many good intentions is uh, putting the, uh, uh, the cart out in front of the horse. We're gonna be asked here today to enter into an interlocal agreement uh, to, you know, establish, you know, a, um, a governing solid waste and recyclables uh, governing uh, authority uh, of which, um, you know, the county uh, will not be in, in control. Um, you know, we will have some say in it um, uh, on, on some issues, but um, the idea, I mean, that, you know, the county uh, has you know, the duty to um, to provide for the disposal, the capacity for disposal of all solid waste within its borders, and, and the fact that we have made some prudent investments in, in acquiring parcels of real estate uh, that can be used for that purpose. Um, you know, I, um, I don't think, you know, as far as the, maybe I have it wrong, but I, the, the, the city's perspective doesn't seem that um, you know there's a lot of interest in uh, in dealing with the county unless you know the county's going to go ahead and carry the cost uh, for recycling and um, you know provide um, access or under some conditions I suppose you know shared ownership of um, you know the uh, the Western Pembroke Pines facility so um, I think. We would be better served if we not, you know, establish a 40-year um, uh, governing authority at this point. Um, I would rather see us go forward and um, um, get the master plan uh, study uh, completed, and then you know go through those recommendations and and um, come up with a master plan that. Um, is 
uh, approved by um, you know the cities and the county rather than setting up the authority uh, where we, we have all these unanswered, unanswered questions with regard to you know what is our plan and uh, and how uh, and what method and what manner are we going to um, execute or implement the plan um, so I um, I um, will not be um, supportive of this in its current um, uh, manner. Uh, I'd like to see that it be deferred uh, and that um, we have uh, more information about what our real objectives are, our purposes, and, and how we are going to achieve them uh, before we uh, take this, you know, big leap into a um, uh, a governing authority uh, structure. You know, many times in our discussions, you know, I, I thought it, at some point was kind of like settled that uh, the county would participate um, in, in, in an aggressive uh, uh, recycling campaign, uh, provided that the, uh, the county had uh, kind of control of the uh, governance issues. Uh, and then that was never on um, any of the uh, proposals that were coming out of this committee. Um, so, you know, for me, I, uh, I don't see um, a role that is going to be actually, you know, achieving uh, region, regional goals and most uh, importantly in recycling uh, unless we have those issues resolved and understood uh, among the cities and the county uh, before we enter into a, um, a governing interlocal agreement for a governing authority. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Dean, you're up, followed by Vice Mayor. So I'm going to be um, a little bit briefer on this. I, I think that as I look at this, the interesting thing about this agreement is the county can't comply with their statutory mandated duties from a business perspective alone because we need the flow from the cities. The cities can't comply with what they need to do alone because they need the county to run this thing and to build this thing. <clears throat> I'm gonna support this deal and I'm gonna support this agreement and the reason why is it gets us one step closer to solving a regional issue that no one can solve on their own here. And the reason I say that is because there are multiple off-ramps along the way. You lose nothing for doing this. This gets us into the master plan concept where we can do this. The cities and the counties can then work together and we can try and get this resolved. If we don't do this, if we're not gonna do this, as a county, we are gonna become stuck with solid waste because I'll take a city only because I'll pick it out with their geographical location. A city like Hollywood, which say gets a ton of flow of debris could contract with Miami-Dade County and send their, their, their waste down there. So we can build a burner to energy plant till we're blue in the face. If we don't have flow coming into it, the number doesn't make sense. The second thing that, I, that I'm concerned about is if we went ahead and just did this on our own and we were gonna build all these facilities to do it, the private sector would be out there and saying, wait, while they're getting this going, we're going to lower our rates to take all that flow away from the county to make whatever we're doing economically unfeasible. So I'm going to support this. I would make a motion based on the memorandum that, uh, that Drew sent late in the afternoon to support that. Move it forward from here. Show the cities our good faith. If it doesn't work out, there's plenty of off-ramps along the way. Um, <clears throat> 
I think that what this gentleman said, and, and, and I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, we've spoken about all these kind of ideas, and this is the kind of group that gets us to that next step where we can look at that. And, and, and I believe in these glass to sand type of things, but I'm sure there's 20 other different technologies that this independent group can look at together. The cities can't do this alone. The counties can't do this to, alone. Um, if I'm the last speaker, Mayor, I'll make a motion to approve this interlocal agreement uh, and this body, and I'm gonna make it subject to the revision one on May 1st, which covers the revisions that Drew brought us in the afternoon. I'll defer to Senator Geller on whatever he'd prefer with the attorney. I'm okay with it either way. I'm okay, okay with one of these municipal attorneys being involved, but I can recognize the issue that he may have, and that's not a die on the sword. I believe that, that there are great municipal attorneys in Gorin or Weiss Sirota or whatever it is. I just don't want to exclude the pool. Um, I would be very careful with all that, but I'm going to make a motion to approve subject to uh, Drew's memo of late yesterday afternoon and hopefully bring this in and, and keep moving forward. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, I apologize. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, hold on. Beam, you make my motion. I'll second. What? We're gonna we're gonna hold we're gonna hold on one second for the motion if we can, Commissioner okay. Fur. Okay, because I know Vice Mayor want to make comments. So I want to make a comment too, oh, and then we sorry. can bring. It. That's yeah. okay. Okay. Vice Mayor, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so I just want to make a couple of comments. Um, I definitely am going to support this today, and I can't even imagine not supporting it, having it been brought to us by Commissioner Furr, who has worked for years on this with the gentlemen and the this municipal uh, people that are here today, and, and, and so many of them on the solid waste uh, uh, working group. Uh, as a matter of fact, my, 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 my new, city, my new uh, aide, uh, Sabrina, was on it, from, and, yeah, and she's, she was great on it, exactly. So, I mean, too much has gone in and too, many, too much time spent. And I think that we've, you know, nothing is perfect, but I think we've gotten pretty close here, especially with the, with the, um, um, the version uh, um, that uh, Drew has, uh, has given us. Um, I just, I just want to say, you know, I, the other day, someone called me from, from Weston and asked me about the recycling. And that's kind of why uh, Mr. Fortman was here, because he was on the phone also. And he and they said to me, you know, well, is it going to recycling? Is it, go, is it you know, we have a blue container. I fill it up every week. We fill it up. And I said, where is it going? And so. I, I ended up calling Byron Jaffe, Commissioner Jaffe, and he put me in touch with the man from Republic, and uh, the people were right who said, you know, it's not going to recycling, and I was, you know, kind of disturbed about that. But it's happening all over the all over the county. Uh, I, I just I asked my my aide to bring me this because uh, I recalled this. We have a 75% recycling goal in the state of Florida. Okay, and guess what the deadline, what we're supposed to be, to be achieved by, two, by 2020. So obviously nobody is doing the kind of job, but as, as, as uh, Commissioner first said at the beginning, we, we, have, we have got to address this, and, and the whole, the, the, the whole uh, um, issue of, of doing this as a county, and this is as close as I've seen us come to this, so um, I am going to support it. Um, I do actually um, support Commissioner Geller's uh, idea or, or uh, recommendation for option three. I think it should not be someone that's involved with, this, with the municipalities. I think it should be someone that's independent uh, on their own. So 
uh, I would support that. But uh, other than that, I mean, I'm ready to go. And thank you, gentlemen out there. Um, thanks all of the people that spent so much time on this working group trying to get us to a place, and especially to my colleague, Dean. Thank you. Before I recognize round two, Commissioner Bogan, you know, I too want to thank uh, Commissioner Furr for all your years of, of working on this, and most importantly, all of our cities. This is truly collaboration at its best. Mm -hmm. And my concern here is that, you know, we're, we're coming down to the wire of so many years of working together, you know, as cities in, in the county, that we're continuing to make these last minute changes, which could be good at the end of the day, but also could be deal breakers. And I say that because I, item four that Senator Geller brought forward, I've heard uh, from, from folks, you know, working on the on the item that that could be a deal breaker. And that's what I don't want to happen here as we get to this far, we have come this far so long, and that we have one item that, that breaks the deal apart and we are back to the negotiation, would be detrimental to everybody. And, and I understand Senator Gill's concern, but I also can understand the city side as well. So. You know, I don't know if Senator Geller can can live with it an hour. So he just he told me he said he's not going to vote for it unless Senator Adam Four is is in there. And I'm looking at Mayor Ross and speaking to him earlier. It could very well be a deal breaker, and I just would hate to see that happen today. At the at the end okay. of the day, so I just want that to be on the record, um, and then we can continue on with Commissioner. Yes, go ahead, Vice Mayor. I, I just want to apologize. I, I said gentlemen, and I realized that Mary Lou of the League of Cities is sitting next to the two gentlemen, so I just wanted to correct that and say yeah. thank you all, and certainly you, Mary Lou, as the exec for you know, Cause, participating. Cause the, thank you. Because the, uh, the motion has been contemplated, hasn't been made yet, is obviously taking all five in consideration, so I just want to throw that out there. Commissioner Bogan, did you want to say a comment? I do. I do. I, um, Beam, I need to know, because obviously I can't talk to you off the dais on this, I, I really think, you know, I'm not here to be a deal breaker, but I still think if people, you know, I, I've talked to people in the cities about this. They have no, they have nobody that's competent to run this day to day. I think it's important you start out um, with a clear vision on how, you know, and moving forward. I think that most simple question is I'm, I'm establishing an entity. Okay, who's going to run this entity? How are we going to determine who runs the entity? And I think this needs to be uh, amended to where um, where the county will determine who runs the entity by using their resources, unless some city says, no, we'll use our resources, we'll go and find the expert, we'll do the head hunting, and we'll, you know, we, you know, I don't know anybody that knows more than Beam, uh, as a commissioner at least, and, and, and so, um, you know, if you say, Mark, uh, I, you know, I, I know you've worked hard on this, and I'm gonna support it if you're, feeling that um, we shouldn't deal with this issue. I think it's really one of the more important issues. When you start a deal, any deal, and you start a structure of a deal, you don't wait till you're down three years and say, oh, by the way, how is this going to be run? I, I think it's We're going to let Commissioner Furr kind of tackle okay, yeah, that one. I'm so let's, let, let's, I know Commissioner I'm asking Rogers had a question. No, I, I'm not uh, done. I uh, want to ask him. His, I'm going to let, yeah, let's let Commissioner Furr answer a lot of these questions, these sure. concerns right now. All at once or no, I know, but we keep getting fragmented. We keep asking, but I think you should. We got Commissioner Rogers, Commissioner Center, Senator Geller again. So I'm just trying to figure out where we want to be. And I don't know if you want to wait till the end. It's I can up wait to you. No, I'm just, because depending on what you say, it will be depending on, on okay. how, how I vote. And I'll definitely, 
Uh, you want me to answer directly? Yes. All right. Go ahead and do that right now. Please. I think I might answer okay, Commissioner Rogers' question. There are, through, through this whole process, we have had a chance to meet lots of people that are very knowledgeable. I'm, I'm like on the low end of that, honestly. Lots of people you're talking that, about? That, that really know what they're talking on the, about. In the cities? Yeah. Yeah, there's some people in the cities that know some. We have people in the county that know yeah. stuff. And, and they would be, and once this deals together, would they be involved on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, they could, the, the executive board would, would probably do a national search or a local search and look at, and, and, and you know, and pick the best. But there are people local that know what they're doing, uh, both from cities and county. Uh, that could get us could get us off and running. I have no pro I have no doubt of that at all. That that you know. So you don't feel what I'm saying is really a, a, something that's urgent enough to do at this point. You you would trust that the executive board would. Yeah, we we've had a, te a technical advisory committee uh, through these last couple of years that have included not only our people but city people. And there are some extremely talented people okay, thank you that, that know it really well. Thank okay. you. I think you've uh, laid uh, the fears of Commissioner yes. Bogan. Commissioner Rogers, did you want to speak? Thank you, Mr. Uh -huh. Mayor. And I'm going to tell you that your response as it relates to the talents that we have here in the county. All right, I, I feel strongly that we have it, Commissioner. There are people out here that that's what they do. These are the discussions they're having in their industry, in their businesses. We do have, you got it. Okay, and that's the way I feel about telling me that there are restrictions on the attorneys that can participate to be an attorney with the organization because there might be a conflict of interest. I think the committee that we are forming, I hear 40 years, but I was under the assumption in three years that they should have achieved a certain level all right, three years is that number that the county, based on the budget I'm thinking, we're budgeting for three years of support of this, whatever Star, of, it is. Of start, start, of start, up. start three years. So my head is three years, not 40 years. As we grow here in Broward County, we have to, all the housing you're telling me we're doing, we need to prepare for the garbage. So this is, this ILA is about putting a structure in place to eventually run this program that is so critical. So I just wanted to add that to the discussion. Thank I'm glad you so for much, your answer. There are other resources and qualified folks that can be a part of it. And that doesn't mean your talent would not be appreciated <laughs> for another eight years. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Rogers, so much. Yes, Senator Geller, then we're going to bring the landing to Commissioner Furr. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. The, um, there was another issue here that bothered me, but I'm over that. I mean, the fact that even on the 10 to 1, it doesn't come back to the county. You, you In certain areas, you need the approval of one county commissioner who's serving on that. All of us have seen examples of if there is 11 people in a room and 10 have one viewpoint, and one has another, it doesn't matter how independent and good that one commissioner is, there is immense pressure on them to go along with everybody else. And I don't like that, but at the end, in the interest of let's get an agreement we can all live with, 
I said, okay, I'll go along with that, even though I don't like it. But since the there has been discussion on the issue, Mr. Mayor, if the, like I said, there are ethical issues about being attorneys. I can't believe that the cities would say, if we can't hire a specific attorney, then we're not gonna do the deal. To me, it shows that they are would be so intent on having an attorney that they think is in their pocket already that I absolutely would not want an attorney like that. So there are an awful lot of lawyers out in Broward County or in South Florida, we could hire a lawyer from Dade or Palm Beach to move here. Well over 10,000, I think Broward by itself may be eight or 9,000, I don't recall 10,000. To say that we insist on having a lawyer that is predisposed to our viewpoint to be the lawyer for the authority is not something I can live with because then when we're arguing over interpretation, if we're in litigation, for example, and the attorney for the authority says, oh no, the authority agrees with the cities over the county, that should not ever occur. I think we do need an independent, and therefore, since I was asked which one, I would ask on amendment, uh, on revision four, that we go with option two, prohibiting the authority as an attorney, legal counsel, any attorney or firm that that is currently representing a Broward City. Again, I think this should be a full-time position, and if John Smith from the city of Blackacre, from the firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Um, That's a great firm. Yes, I know. Um, and from the, the, you know, the best thousand lawyer firm in the state, if there is one, they can leave the firm and then that eliminates the conflict. So I would ask either commissioner fur to include option two under revision four, or if he doesn't, if he makes the motion leaving this out, then I will move to amend it. So I don't know how Commissioner Furr wants to handle that. Okay. And ultimately, I know Commissioner Furr has been uh, working with us exactly every day with this working group. So obviously his expertise will be important to this board on his opinion. Go ahead, Commissioner Furr, to bring it down to a smooth landing. Smooth landing, okay. Just to, um, <laughs> thank you. I'm gonna answer a few of the things. Um, with regard to, Commissioner Ryan had mentioned the cart before the horse. I understand what he's saying. I wanted, I definitely wanted to see a master plan on the front end of this. Our lawyers wanted to see a master plan on the front end of this. Um, we, it, it, it would have taken even longer. It would take us a long, we would be postponing this for a couple of years. And then we might not get there. So what, we, what is preserved is an off-ramp if we're not happy with that master plan. And we have full, there's a big 
exit ramp. If, we do, if we're not happy with it, we're off it. And to your, uh, your point about being outnumbered, I was outnumbered on the working group numerous times and voted and lost a couple eight to one. Luckily, they, things changed and came back, and, and we kind of found a, a different consensus. But I think, I think there is, a, it, you know, in, in the case where we have to be in consensus, one vote is consensus. Yeah, one vote makes a difference. So particularly on the waste disposal, those main facilities, um, if this group isn't in, in agreement with it, it's, it's not going to fly. We have to be in consensus. So um, that's important. Um, I think I think there's a, there's a, a, a number of things that we we should be thinking of. We do want to preserve the landfill. I know you want to do that. I want to do that. That was part of the RRB recommendations way back when, because we saw what happened with Hurricane Ian. They didn't have a place to put all their stuff, and they're still they've still got stuff on the streets. So that is absolutely important to do that. What we're doing is paving a way to, one, preserve that and use it to the best that we can. And, and to, the, to the point of recycling, I'm glad Phil's here. Phil, one, this is a great idea. But I want you all to know, I've been bombarded with ideas. Absolutely bombarded. Or my office is getting stuff every single day. Hey, we got a great idea. And you know what? There's a lot of good ideas out there. There's some great ideas out there. And what's going to be good about this this entity is they're going to be able to take those innovations. We already saw it, and I think I talked about this with the sales when we did the uh, uh, pitch night, resilient pitch night at Nova. And we asked people to come in, and the ideas were brilliant. The ones that were using recycling glass to build seawalls, and people that didn't want to be put in big concrete, now they could actually put seawalls and see through it. Um, ideas for all kinds of things. So this, we have a chance to really be the epicenter of how to be resilient in this. And this is, a, this is our best opportunity. Um, I, don't, I, I think uh, Commissioner um, Eudine said it best. This, you know, we can't do this alone. We have to have the flow control. And, and these are expensive propositions. Building a waste energy plant is not cheap. Building a MRF is not cheap. You just ask waste management. They're spending $75 million to build one on the next Pembroke Pines. What you do want to do is watch what waste management is doing and other parts of the industry, and you'll see that obviously recycling is on, is on the rise because they are buying composting companies. They're buying um, numerous ways to recycle because a lot of that, those resources are needed to do a lot of the infrastructure stuff. A lot of glass is being used to build roads. Nobody's been, been recycling it, but now it's being used to build roads and all kinds of stuff. All the metals that are being able to be pulled out. It is actually an exciting time in this industry. And the quicker we get going, the better. What I want us to be cognizant of is that we are, I know we're about to sign the, the global agreement for 2023. I think 19 cities, I'd have to ask Kevin on this, but I think 19 cities have signed on for this. This is for 2023 to have our waste go to, to wind waste. Wind waste can only, hold, can only handle of our 
750,000 tons. The, the number of, to, of cities that have signed up and the number of tonnage is way above that. Where's that going? It's all going landfilling all over the place. So we're, we have to get before 2028, we need to start working on it now, which is why your provision for revision three is so absolutely necessary, which is why we've already, and the legal has already put, put together RFPs for master plans. They're putting it together for looking at uh, waste energy plants, for other things. We are, we have to hit, this entity is gonna take a while to get together and we need to hit the ground running. So that's what I hope will happen. Uh, I would like to make a motion, I'll read it. Um, it will not include the lawyer part right now. And if the, if, okay. Because, and, and I don't have one, I'm not one way or the other on that, I'll be honest. I want whoever's best. That's really what I want. I don't want, I, I think I don't want to exclude it, but I understand what you're saying. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. But the motion to approve, this, I'm making a motion to approve the interlocal agreement creating an in, independent legal entity known as the Solid Waste Disposal and Recyclable Materials Processing Authority of Broward County, Florida for the purpose of managing a countywide solid, solid waste disposal and recycling system for a period of at least 40 years in substantially the, the form attached hereto as Exhibit 1 with the inclusion of Revision 1, the May version of Revisions 2 and 3, and Revision 5. You'll notice I left four out, okay. All is shown in the additional material distributed under the item. To authorize the county administrator and after consultation with the county attorney to make changes she determines will not materially impact the county's rights and obligations under the ILA, provided they are approved as to form and legal sufficiency by the office of the county attorney and to authorize the mayor and clerk to execute the same. That's okay, that's been moved. There's a second. Second. Second by Mayor Vice Mayor Rich. It's been moved and second. Is there an amendment to the motion? Senator Geller. Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, Mr. Mayor, I move you, sir, that we amend um, Commissioner Furr's motion with revision for option two for the reasons I've explained. I, with so many good lawyers, I think it would be improper to set something up where there is a conflict of interest and the attorney for the authority should not be a county employee, uh, represent the county attorney's office, nor should it be someone who's representing any city. And that is my motion, Mr. Mayor. Is there a second for the amendment? I'll second it just to be polite as he is. Commissioner do you, okay, you're going to second the amendment. So we're going to need to vote on the amendment, okay? Yes. Is there any discussion on the amendment? Okay, all in favor of the amendment say aye. 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 Just raise your hands at this point. One, two, three, four. Well, no. Wait, I counted five. Wait a second. I'm sorry? One, two, three, four, okay. five. Hold, hold on, hold on, really. This is a serious matter, okay? All in favor of the Six. amendment, please raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five. So the amendment will pass at this particular time. So we're now voting on the amended motion of Commissioner Furs, amended by Senator Geller. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? 
Motion passes unanimously. And, Very good. And yes. Mayor, just for the record, there were some immaterial language changes. Your motion was the May 1st version of revision for That's option what two. Yes. Commissioner first said. For he, he, option but, two. But, but, Hold on. Commissioner Fur dealt with the May 1st version of the other one, so for Senator Geller, it's the May 1st version. Thank you. Yes, yeah. sir. Thank you. Okay, everybody good? Yeah. All right, just real quick, is, is the delegation Carl Grant here? Okay, if he's not, we are going to take a break, and we're going to come back here at 2.15. 2.15, we'll come back. Our clerk needs a break. How much do we have left? I know my clerk, if you want to, if you want to take a five-minute break, that's fine, too. Three items. I have three items left? Yeah, let's take a ten-minute break. All right, let's take a, let's, shh, shh, let's take a ten-minute break, because our clerk does need to use the So, ten-minute break, so we'll come back at uh, 1.35, okay?
Commissioners, Vice Mayor Rich, Commissioner Bogan, Commissioner Ryan, Commissioner McKenzie. You can hear me, please come to the dais. There's Bogan. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, right? Six. Here comes Vice Mayor. Okay. Well, it was uh, Commissioner Ryan who pulled number 48, so. Commissioner Ryan pulled number 48. Is he available? It was, it was under consent and he pulled it off consent. Are we back, are we back in session? We are now back in session. Our meeting is back to order. One, two, three, four, five. We got plenty here. Item 48 was pulled off consent by Commissioner Ryan, and I don't see him yet. But that's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that item and go to item number again. Well, let me go back one more time to call it for the last time. But I know he's not here. Delegation call Grant. Reparation delegation, he is not here. Very good, we will have us to continue that item to a future meeting. We are now under item number 40, somebody says he's here? He's on his way? We'll go ahead and read it. Kyle, go ahead and read item 48, would you please? Item 48 is a motion to authorize county administrator for a limited time period through November 15th, 2023 to submit offers, counter offers, bids, and proposals to acquire real property for a future government purpose if the county administrator determines one, that timing or other material circumstances reasonably prevent or preclude prior consultation with or consideration by the board, two, that the amount that the amount the county would be obligated to pay under the applicable offer, counteroffer, bid, or proposal is at or below the county administrator's determination of fair market value for the property to be acquired, and three, that adequate and appropriate funding sources are available to consummate such transaction, including the authority to execute letters of intent, memorandums of under understanding, and purchase agreements relating thereto, subject to approval as to legal sufficiency by the county by the Office of the County Attorney of all documents that would bind the county to such acquisition without requiring formal approval or ratification by the board and subject to the county administrator promptly reporting to the board any action taken pursuant to this delegation and authorizing the county administrator to take all necessary administrative and budgetary actions including transfers of funds from reserves and conducting required due diligence related thereto. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Okay, no member of the public is speaking. Uh, Commissioner Ryan pulled this item from consent, so I'm going to turn over to Commissioner Ryan. So my only interest in this was, uh, as we come into uh, our summer break, uh, it's been our uh, general policy to uh, um, to give a uh, limited delegation of authority to county administrator uh, to sign contracts and. Um, uh, agreements that, uh, for the most part, it's been my recollection that are subject to ratification um, when um, when we return. You know, we're off for about six weeks in uh, the latter half of June and July. So um, this one kind of st uh, uh, stuck out for me um, because of its uh, it's kind of a uh, a broad uh, delegation of authority. Uh, the duration. 
um, you know, exceeds um, the uh, the return of uh, of the commission. So I mean, uh, it's a delegation for about six and a half months the duration. Uh, it allows for the uh, um, uh, purchase of uh, of property um, that is um, not. Um, um, subject to an appraisal of fair market value, uh, but rather a determination of the county administrator as to what is fair market value. Um, and um, the um, uh, binding contract or, or you know, whatever, uh, you know, well, you start off with a, um, you know, a um, LOI, which is a letter of interest um, with regard to a, uh, you know, a purchase. And then later, uh, you know, go under contract. Frequently, with a contract for sale and purchase, um, you know, there are contingencies. Um, this would allow for uh, the county to um, uh, commit itself to um, uh, purchase of. Um, I'm not sure of the magnitude, but it, you know, expressly says it's not um, uh, subject to. Um, uh, approval or ratification by the uh, by the county commission. So, I mean, perhaps Monica, you could speak to um, you know what's going on here. But uh, for me, it was an overly broad uh, uh, delegation of authority, and um, you know we uh, we have a charter that calls for um, you know a, a strong county administrator form of government, but. Um, uh, we nine commissioners are still the policymakers here, so I, uh, you know, brought it up to uh, to find out what your your thoughts are, how much you can uh, speak to us about it, and um, you know, um, what um, uh, what assurances do you want to give us that uh, everything is copacetic here, Ms. Sapiro? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, as I shared with you during um, our briefing and. Um, this is an extension of an authority that was granted um, last November for six months, and this is a, a kind of just a refresh of that same exact authority. And prior to that, that was in place uh, for a couple of year period. And so when I became administrator, we refreshed it um, since it was on the books for uh, a previous um, um, kind of proposal for going after some property that that was of uh, special interest to the county for government purposes. So this is um, limited to um, purchases of real property. <clears throat> it's not an overly broad delegation for any other purposes. Um, the delegation that you're re referencing for summer recess is for specific contracts and things during those re that recess period. Um, and in that item, there's also a specific uh, um, exhibit that goes into great detail for all of the different things that we anticipate occurring. Um, and then obviously those things don't come back for ratification because you're already approving those to happen in advance of the summer. The things that do come back um, for ratification after the summer recess, on, as that example was given, um, are things that were not um, uh, disclosed and given to you in advance of the summer recess item. Um, again, this is strictly for um, real property acquisition. Um, and, and what I always do, um, and, and there was an example that, um, two examples on this agenda, 
this is not going to be utilized unless it is not feasible to come back in that time period of, of a deal consummation. Um, you know, the two agenda items that we are, are looking at, the one was already adopted um, previously on this agenda, was uh, the Motel 6 conversation. That was something that we had been engaged in for about nine months already, but I couldn't have gone into some of those things um, without some of that authority, but we did come back, and those were, the LOI and the PSA were contingent on board ratification. This is really for um, uh, finite situations, and I will always come back, and you have my word, and I have done that, um, where I've con come to each of you just seeking, just um, letting you know what I was planning on doing um, and getting any feedback individually um, on, 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 on those um, transactions. But not to get consensus, not to get, you know, build any of that. It's really just to make sure that you all are informed individually on those actions. Um, there are often times, as you all know, that um, the second that we raise our hand and say we want that, the price goes like this. Um, and and we, we really look at these types of um, scenarios very strategically and uh, very judiciously. And to the other point I wanted to give, uh, to address that you made about um, that I don't have to do um, uh, an appraisal, um, I, I can assure you that uh, the language is written in such a way so that if there is a uh, specific property that's very uniquely situated, um, we would, uh, be able to go above an appraisal and, and it would be based on a fair market value. We always do appraisals. Um, we would never be going into um, uh, an LOI without knowing the value of the property or even situ similarly situated properties. So um, there would be a whole host of things that would go into that fair market value assessment, uh, but one of those components would definitely most assuredly be an appraisal. So let me, I mean, let me just pose a, a couple more specific questions. Uh, when, uh, when a uh, piece of property is purchased by the, by the county, um, it's, uh, is it in the ordinance or the charter that, uh, you know, you must have uh, an appraisal um, and the property must be uh, purchased uh, no greater than 10% above the, the county's appraised value uh, but there are, there are some exceptions when that can be uh, overridden. Uh, so uh, perhaps to the, uh, to the county attorney, uh, what is, what's the, uh, the threshold, the circumstances by which you know, the county can acquire property uh, above 10%, uh, in excess of 10% of the uh, appraisal uh, conducted by the county? It would, it would require Commissioner Ryan a vote like occurred uh, today on item 45. And, and because that would take a supermajority of the board, that would not be, in our interpretation, within the delegated power in this item 48. Uh, so so uh, the county administrator would have the authority if it were strategically very difficult for her to put an item on a public agenda uh, because that may run up the price, uh, and, and it were within 10% of the appraised value she would have the authority to do it because no supermajority vote would be required. But if it were something that we were over 10%, she would have to come back to the board and could not rely on this. It would be all subject to the board's approval anyway. It would be subject to the board's approval. And, and, and Commissioner Ryan, and you and I had a brief conversation about this uh, 
this morning. Uh, right. the, we, we uh, Ms. Henry had a very broad delegation of authority that was limited more or less to one building. Uh, so when, when Ms. Sparrow uh, took over the position, it was narrowed. Uh, we were very concerned about the breadth of it as well. Uh, you know from briefings, I don't like broad delegations. I think it's, it's a problem. Uh, and, and so we worked with administration to put in these, I think, Mona, I'll steal her word, bumpers uh, in here. Uh, the only other one that, that I thought of that, that might be workable, because I think it's implied, is that you know maybe we add, and I, I just sketched it out, and a number two that you may be comfortable with, you know, as to which there's no practical uh, ability to condition uh, the binding nature of the action upon subsequent board ratification. So if she can negotiate in subsequent ratification, then she can. Then she has to do the deal subject to ratification. If she can't negotiate it in practically, and, and I know there was a recent example of that, uh, then she could use this power as long as it's within 10% of the appraised value and bind the county, and then her obligation would be to come back uh, and just alert the board to that. So uh, I, I suppose I'm, I'm misreading it then because um, I, I thought that the uh, um, this uh, authority uh, would allow for the county administrator to uh, make a purchase of property um, in excess of 10% of the appraised value as appraised by the county. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't expressly address that. Uh, legally, I don't believe that it would, but if that would bring you comfort, uh, we could certainly add also, and in no event, uh, you know, that, that this power shall not be exercised or may not be exercised uh, if two appraisals are obtained as required uh, and the purchase price exceeds 10% over the average of the two appraisals. Now, is, is that something uh, to the county administrator? Is that how you had contemplated your, uh, your authority in this instance? So anyone who knows me um, knows that I'm um, extremely judicious with the county's coffers. And um, there would be, a, it would need to be an extraordinary um, and very unique situation that I would not move if I did not feel that I had um, the proper, um, I guess, support of um, my team and when we're looking at property uh, and, and that I would disclose that. So, you know, I don't foresee any cir um, circumstance that I would go above 10%, but if there was a very unique situation um, that might necessitate that, I, I would hate to say that I just, you know, would close the door and, 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 not, and just not do it. Um, again, I would be disclosing everything to each of you um, and, and my team would give me that recommendation based on appraisals and other things that are in the marketplace um, and the unique nature of a particular piece of property. Mayor, if I just, just sure. address one thing. So we wouldn't uh, approve that as being legally sufficient unless it were contingent upon coming back to the board for ratification. Because if it were above 10% right. above appraised value, we would make sure that it was specifically, expressly contingent upon being ratified by the board. So, uh, because legally, I don't think that this action could delegate that authority since you're entitled to have a discussion about that particular project and approve it by a supermajority vote. 
But, and I think so you, you're so agreeing. That's right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I understand that, that certain parcels are in high demand and, uh, you know, we've, we've had a, uh, an increase in market. But, I mean, just seems odd to me to, uh, to, to work under the premise that uh, as soon as the county is interested in a piece of property, that all of a sudden, all of a sudden uh, um, you know, uh, we should be, um, you know, expecting, um, you know, significant increase in the asking price for the property. I mean, you know, geez, if that was the case, you'd have a lot of people out there trying to sell property and then finding a way to get the county interested in it. I, uh, I, they are. They are. They are. <laughs> we overpay, rightfully. Well. Um, I mean, I, I would hate to say that right, rightfully we overpay. Um, um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, there's got to be a, uh, you know, some um, analysis of, of uh, you know, what the intentions are, but what else is available. And, um, I mean, you know, property that's like now, you know, like, like TOD property and, uh, you know, a property that has... Uh, Good access. I mean, it's always going up and up in price. But um, um, I mean, I um, I, I just uh, had some some level of uh, trepidation with um, uh, with what I thought was the the breadth of this authority. But I'm certainly interested in hearing from other members. Yeah, and again, I think this is focused on specifically to real estate opportunities that would come up that would give the administrator the opportunity to negotiate a transaction, but ultimately, whatever the price it is has to come back to us yeah. to ratify that sale, end of the day. So no. she can negotiate all she no. wants to. Uh, is that correct or no? No. Okay. Andrew, did you want to clarify the exact All right, and I might have misunderstood it. The bumper okay. says, yeah. So, yeah, so, so the, the, the purpose of this, I mean, if, if Ms. Perro were to come back to you at a public meeting, and have you basically approve it now? If it, if we can, if she can sign it, and you just have to ratify it later, and then we've locked down the property, that's fine. But if we can't make it subject to subsequent ratification, and she has to get your approval, then that obviously gives somebody else the ability to jump in there, which might increase our price. Okay. So, so what this says is, if it's at all practical, if she can come before you uh, to to bring it before <clears throat> the public uh, at the meeting, and you approve it. She has to do that. If she can't do that, she still has to let you know all about it. Uh, but, but ultimately, you're entrusting the administrator within these bumpers that are established to consummate a deal if she has to. And, and if I might add on to that, and I'm forgetting the number, I think it's 54. So item 54 is a perfect example of that. So this one I was able to, we, we, we brought it to the finish line and then it's subject to your approval. So okay. it, when practicable, that is what exactly what we do. Understood. Um, it, Understood. It's in those very rare instances, and, and to my knowledge, um, I don't even remember the last time this has ever been done, but it's just there in case it's needed. Okay. One. One. Oh, the, no, all right. The, I got to Commissioner Ryan still has the floor unless he is completed. Uh, no, I, I've concluded my questions. Commissioner Bogan, I know Commissioner Geller was over here waving at me earlier. So it's Commissioner. I was Geller. just going to say, I, I was, he asked about how we could, I, I trust our, our administrator to okay. do the right thing and I'm supporting it. Okay. Senator Geller? Thank you. Um, Mr. You got in there. doesn't say what property this is for. In the event that it's for a government center, I'd support this if you move it to plantation. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Hold on. 
Hold it's on. actually to eliminate a, a vehicular lane for bikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. She, oh, that's great. Senator, she got you I'm on that one. I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> I got Commissioner and, McKenzie and, now. And I think we all share, share the, the, the common thoughts of this appraise and then what we pay as a, as a government. And I've experienced this you know, in the past, and I've, I've, I brought it up. And you really just, you, you, there's nothing you can do unless you do some long-range planning from the real estate, real estate side to just buy things based on your assessment of our needs uh, moving forward. Because once we hint, show, I mean, it's open. I've never seen us being able to pull it back and get what the uh, layperson or the business person would negotiate and walk away from right. the deal. Right. So, I mean, I don't know how we do that moving forward, but put that in, in, in your hat. And then if this does occur, like item 54, I, I just, 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 I only thing I would say was just, you know, just as long as we, we, we are notified, I mean, I don't see a, a real issue with it, so. Commissioner Dean, you have a comment? I mean, I, I would just, if it, I, I think that this carries a lot more risk for the administrator than it does for the board, because if Monica makes, if, if the administrator makes a mistake on this to a real bad detriment, it's her job that's on the line. Really, that's how this works. That's how, you know, <laughs> adults reality. acted. That's what reality is. I'm going to support this on, for the idea that there are certain times that you can be opportunistic <clears throat> out there. And there are certain pieces of property that theoretically we would want to have or have to have. And a private landowner says, hey, yeah. county administrator, I have a solid ironclad office offer from private sector B. Mm -hmm. You want it, sign a deal with no contingencies or else I'm selling it to this person. I want to give us the chance for the public to be able to get those things. It doesn't alleviate the concerns I had like with the previous one before when we pay too much over market value, but I get it. That's a story for another day. That's why I voted for it. I just wanted to bring that up before. With that, I'm going to make a motion if everyone's spoken to approve Please. this item. Go ahead. I make a motion to second. second. <laughs> Moved by you, Dean, seconded by Vice Mayor. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes 9-0, thank you. That places on item number 51. Item 51 is a motion to discuss and provide direction to county staff regarding certain county property located at 1625 Northwest 23rd Avenue in Fort Lauderdale, Florida in the area known as Lauderdale Industrial Park. No member of the public has signed up to speak. Thank you, I'm turning over to Commissioner McKenzie. This is his item. Uh, great, I, I mean, what a great segue, Monica. Did you, did you set this up? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we all um, should be relieved today because I think this was an issue a year ago um, where we would uh, house the uh, Forensic Science uh, Center and it became a political um, nightmare, if you would, but you agreed to, to um, seek higher grounds. It was a grave concern uh, at the time, especially at this site. Um, but vitally important. And there's no pun intended in, in the words I chose, but I think today we have an opportunity um, to, to uh, remove the cloud. Um, and I never doubted your commitment, even when I stood at that podium um, uh, uh, talking to your Senator Rich, and you kind of got, got mad at me, but <laughs> we've gotten past that. But today um, we have another opportunity here uh, for affordable housing um, uh, opportunity. 
And um, I think the community is going to be relieved, number one. I think uh, uh, we can work with Ralph on how, how that works, how that looks down the road. But we, Ralph and uh, Monica thought it would be an opportunity for some single-family housing, since that's what I speak all the time, but still to the subject matter of affordable housing. Um, but we seem to have agreed um, in the last uh, six hours that we can do 50-plus single-family homes and keep them affordable. But we'll, we'll work that and we'll bring it back to you. But I wanted to take this opportunity to share it with you and not let it be my thoughts, let it be our thoughts since you were so considerate in, in looking for that place for the medical um, examiner's office and the forensic center. So this is why I brought it up in such a manner. And Monica, I think you, you knocked this one out of the park. You got, got a trifecta today. Um, <laughs> some people thought we had two wins, but we were to have three wins today. So, so um, and, and I want all the input, all of the thoughts uh, for you all because your reputation was on the line and I think um, um, I have a good um, um, pulse for what goes on um, in my community and in particular in Broward County. I think, we, I think we did a good job this time. Thank you, Commissioner, for bringing it forward. Any further discussion? Commissioner Furr? Just on that same part, and I, and I, I am wanting to see people be able to have equity in, the, in what they buy and in, 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 in where this. And I'm wondering if there's any consideration of doing multifamily, not rental, but actually um, home ownership, condo ownership. Or townhome type specialties. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I only say it so that we get, so that we're able to get as much mm -hmm. housing in there as possible. That, that's, that's my thinking. And because I, I don't know how many acres it is. How many yeah. acres is over there? Oh, seven. 7.3 on, on item number 51. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, just a, just a thought. Well, my thought has always been home ownership. I yeah. think when you get into the condo piece, uh, sometimes it gets a little hectic. We're experiencing that now. Uh, what happened with those, those condo docks and things of that nature. But if we, if we can control the, the, um, the narrative here, I mean, we can, we, we, we can shape that. But okay. I was thinking single family and or townhouses, but we're going to work that. I want to work that collectively as we move forward. But home ownership, uh, definitely. And I served on Ralph's board probably about nine, ten years ago as a chair. And a lot of my um, colleagues at the time thought, thought multifamily was the answer, thought vertical was the answer. And we went back and we did a study of the initiatives that we had been doing at the Housing Authority for, for single family uh, home purchases. This was during the downturn of the market. And we found that out of those, uh, I'll say 100 homes, we only had two, two people that defaulted. One was to death and one was a um, divorce. So the program works and you, did it for years. I mean, you're doing it right now over in the unincorporated areas. It works because of how it's 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 uh, it's arranged with with your your, your buy down money, uh, the 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 giving the lots to the to the developers to to offset the costs and and um, looking for workforce uh, um, end users to go into those homes. So it, it works. Just like uh, uh, Senator Dan Rich says all the time, we're running out of real estate, uh, but sometimes we have real estate in house that we can, we can make better deals on. We don't have to go out and, and purchase this for an, an astronomical amount of money. And uh, we can take what we have and make what we want. So we will consider that and how it looks in terms of the pricing. Okay. Because yeah. I, I, think, I think we want that in our toolbox. Yeah. Uh, we, we're doing, uh, obviously, we're having to do a lot of rentals. Mm -hmm. But 
I, I know the difference of having stakeholders when people buy their place, mm -hmm. what it means for a neighborhood. It means all the, it's all the difference. Oh, yeah, world. absolutely. So I, I'm totally supportive. What I'm really trying to do is get as many people, owners, as many owners as possible. Yeah. Vice Mayor? Yeah, thank you. I think that would be my, you know, my, my feeling as well. Uh, 7.3 acres is a lot to find in Broward County. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, if you look at what you can do with building multifamily homes versus singles, huge difference. Mm -hmm. So it w whatever we end up doing, um, if we could, you know, try, and I understand the, the you know, the desire for mm -hmm. home ownership for sure. But there are different types of, of, of mechanisms and ways to build. So I'd like us to see us also try yeah. and get the, the, the largest yeah. number because, you know, the, to, you know to, it's, it's sad, I mean, to have to say it, but I mean to, have to put, mm -hmm. you know, like 50 or whatever on seven acres um, when you could build up, you know, but you could still look at something that would provide more homes and yeah. still provide home ownership. Uh, there, I think. I agree with you because when the idea came uh, uh, two weeks ago, we thought 25. Yeah. Now we're 50 plus, but we, we're going to start looking at it and see what's the um, the, uh, the the best possible use. If you look next door, you got the housing authority there, and they they did um, um, some units there, and I think they had um, pretty similar in terms of uh, acreage and some of the zoning. Uh, requirements wouldn't allow them to to go up that high uh, uh, contiguous to that to that neighborhood or residential area and then you'll see so much wasted space with the retention ponds I know we need them but the retention areas I mean it's like more retention areas than there are buildings mm -hmm. and they went two or three stories there so we have to look at it yeah. uh, vet it and see what what's what's the best um, um, possible use that we can get. And we'll look at it and we'll bring it back. I want everyone to be you know, a part of this. Yeah, and before I go to Senator Geller, first of all, thank you, Commissioner McKenzie, for bringing it forward. And you just take, for instance, the Rick Case development in Pompano Beach for Habitat for Humanity. They were able to get 77 homes, <coughs> homes, homes, on a lesser parcel than what this is. So I, and I agree with the maximizing the, the density, but also at the same time, mm -hmm. there's nothing like someone owning a home. And that's so rare today that if we can get them home ownership is so important, in my opinion. So no, I agree, and I was a part of that. Yeah. And, and, we, and what what's what happens when you come to these neighborhoods, the, the Pompano uh, 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 areas like this, um, the cosmetics. So we I sat with Habitat and we redesigned how those houses look so that it complements these neighborhoods that sometimes we think. Um, uh, are the lower economic end um, uh, uh, of, of, of the um, horizon, but people like myself, the leaders that you've once seen here, we all were born and raised in these neighborhoods. Our parents built these neighborhoods, and it's a rich, hidden jewel, so we just don't want anything plopped in there. And we right. had this issue um, with the housing authority next door because that was William Dandy's uh, neighborhood. That was um, um, Borgard Cummings. I mean, there's some great leaders came out of those neighborhoods that are right behind uh, the Rock Island and the uh, Arthur Ashe School. Right. So we want to compliment it. The Housing Authority owned that property already. So right. they were able to at least be at the table saying we own it. 
and we work with them to come up with a, with a, with a, with a good product. So we do want to complement those neighborhoods as, as we move forward. And I do think we're going to get more than 50. We could get 70, but we have to look at that. Um, and, you look at, and you look at the issue in Pompano, what we did there is yeah. we, the drainage issue, we didn't have the drainage ponds, but the city of Pompano Beach jumped in. Mm -hmm. We were able to do some, some different things with the drainage that helped it obviously maximize the value in the, in the land. So, but again, so we're going to look at every these are all, these are all, these are all the, the main thing is let's move it towards we, that area. We got it. Senator Geller? Wondering, Mr. Mayor, this is a motion to discuss. Mm -hmm. Does there need to be a motion by Commissioner McKenzie for a consensus of the commission or it, having had this discussion, county attorney, is I, that sufficient? I think it just gets given, the, I think the I county administration. McKenzie's uh, request. I just want to make sure well, we're Well, I, I didn't want to do it where, where we would be voting on it. I wanted to discuss it first as yeah. a courtesy to you all, and now we can move it forward, put it in the hands of uh, our administrator, administrator. To, to follow up. To make sure we make all, hit all the benchmarks, uh, okay. but I wanted to discuss it first today because of what we had to discuss a year ago here uh, with the debacle that we had. Well discussed. Thank you. We're going to move on to item number 55 now. Item 55 is a motion to discuss Broward County Tops Paratransit Services. There is one member of the public signed up to speak. Very good. I'm going to turn it over to Commissioner Bogan since this is his item. Um, I'm, I'm assuming many of you would think, you know, we all get complaints, emails, why am I bringing this on here and not just dealing with it privately? And I'm going to explain that to you why real quickly. Um, I just want to briefly just touch on the email and I'll tell you why I'm bringing it here. Uh, there's a lady who contacted me. She has cerebral palsy and, and she uses a powered chair, she says, uh, she, for a device to speak. She's nonverbal. She cannot walk or speak. She says she's not illiterate. She went to college. She was dropped off by Tops. She's supposed to be picked up at 2 o'clock, at uh, 2.30. She said um, no one ever arrived. She can't talk. She's in a wheelchair. And somehow she was able to communicate with her mother. Four hours later, her mother came to pick her up. Okay? She goes, I'm not the only person who's experienced this. She says, I've been afraid. Um, someone from Tops finally went at 9 o'clock. Uh, what if nobody came to get me? Again, I can't talk and I have wheelchair. So in life, tops, I, I, I don't mean to, I, how this sounds, but shit happens, okay? Buses break down, things happen, people are late. It's unfortunate. I don't know the best way to say it, but shit happens, okay? However, however shit can't happen with a nonverbal person in a wheelchair. It can't happen. And so I had the chance to talk to the people from tops. I said, I think two things need to come for people who are helpless. Remember, when you go to the, or take an airplane anywhere, people who are disabled, when they get off that plane, there's people waiting right there with the wheelchair. Or when a minor goes on a plane, they escort that minor. They do things for people who are what is called more vulnerable. And so I, I really think something needs to be instituted, as I told them on, uh, on my Zoom yesterday, that um, there has to be what we'll call the helpless list or the more vulnerable list. So whoever's on that list, that somebody in the company, there's a separate person who says, hey, did this person get picked up? This person be picked up? Something like that. And, and an emergency number. I don't know if they have, I was told they have an emergency number now. So if no one's being picked up, you don't call the normal number, which you're on hold for. There's an <clears throat> emergency number. So uh, those are the two things that my ideas would need to correct the problem. But shit can't happen with somebody who is nonverbal 
and in a wheelchair. Probably people would say who anybody's in a wheelchair, but especially somebody who's nonverbal. And so, um, totally, totally agree with that. I did a CR on it and got the response back about what did occur. It was an issue with apparently the GPS put in South State Road Seven versus North State Road Seven, and just kind of snowball from there on out. But I agree, it, it can't happen. And I understand uh, Mark and his team are doing training and making sure the dispatchers know, and I think Mr. Commissioner Bogan really brings up a good point, is going to keep on that person to make sure they were picked up. So I, I support so. Ray, uh, I support the company that does this. I, I uh, you know, it's not like I want to say, oh, you know, I, 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 they got a tough job. You know, they, they got a lot of pickups and they got a lot of drop-offs, but this can't happen again. And so. Uh, if it does happen again, I'd have a different motion to find somebody else. I, that's how much I feel about this. You cannot happen again. So uh, I just want to make that clear, and I'm done talking. Okay, Commissioner McKenzie, followed by Commissioner Rogers. And when it was when it was brought to our attention, I, I've had some um, um, calls about tops, and I shared it with the, the county administrator, and not to this um, level, but to me. Um, customer service as a whole should just be something that is, is rendered each and time, each and every time that we enter into a, a, a contract or, or our vendorship. And the calls I'm getting seems like um, there's a communication disconnect um, with the rider and the, and the driver in the, in the instances that, that I got. So having um, someone I can reach out to 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 rectify that. I, I don't want to take these type of calls. That's not my job. I'm a policymaker. But the calls are coming, and if you get more than one, you get more than two, and more than three, then something is wrong. Yeah. So I would like for us to you know just pay attention to it. And I I agree. Under no circumstances should it be a person that can't can't defend for uh, fend for themselves, and and that's just totally uh, unacceptable. Um, so. Uh, how we move forward, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll follow this and monitor it, but Monica, I've, I've, I've given you my feedback on it, and she was going to pull some statistics for me, because I don't want to you know, beat uh, the company up, but I want to make sure that we can, we can show up and, and make sure that we are the county that provides uh, the, the best service. Thank you. Commissioner Rogers? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I agree with you. I had the same conversation with staff, because I was getting calls and I was witnessing it myself. I would go to the doctor's office and I see an elderly person sitting outside waiting. I would go in, be serviced, and I'm thinking I'm in there too long anyway. And when I come out, I see that elderly person still waiting for transportation. So you try to help, but the service center, whichever, whoever is providing that health care, needs to take a little bit more responsibility. You talk about you know, just being a human being. You see your patient sitting outside. Someone can see what's going on. So it's both sides. But the, there's something wrong with that process right now. We need to know that we did not pick up that person. We need to know, you know, that they're okay. They're doing surgery and coming outside waiting for transportation to go home and having issues. And we have other mode of transportation offering a solution. We give vouchers for taxis. Maybe they're not, you know, maybe not the small taxis, but they might need a special vehicle. Creating that opportunity is better than sitting 
for two and three hours waiting to be picked up. Offer them another voucher to use another type of transportation. It's still our tax dollars at work, and we just need to do it the best way. Thank you, so, Commissioner. Vice Mayor? Yeah, I, I just I have a question. Um, this is um, before you, you both got here, uh, Commissioner McKenzie, before you and, uh, and Commissioner Rogers got here. We, we had uh, significant problems with TOPS, as you remember, and we've made a change. And this is a different, you know, had, I think it's Transamerica, right? Yeah. So, um, so I'm just curious now, um, because I can tell you that before we had, we changed to this, we had people waiting five hours outside of Cleveland Clinic sitting on a bench. So these were, you know, a lot of things, and it's gotten a lot better, it appeared, you know, and now there are a few. So I'm wondering, is there a corrective action that's been taken? Uh, what, what exactly, is, are, you know, have you done so that we are following up now with our, you know, with our transportation people and with, you know, with the county to make sure that the, the uh, corrections are made? So, Superior, thank, go ahead. yeah, thank you, Vice Mayor. So, um, there is um, a corrective action plan that the company has submitted to our transportation department. Um, and I don't know if uh, my transportation director, Ms. Corey Cuff-Lonergan, would like to come up and address. And I also know that there is a representative from Transportation America here today if uh, you'd like to um, address some questions directly. Yeah, there are actually two, uh, Mr. Chen and Mr. Levitt are here. but. Did you want to hear from Corey first? Did you want to hear the corrective plan first? Yes. Okay. Corey, would you come forward? And uh, that, then I'm obviously going to open up now to Charles Mayhem because he signed up to speak as well. So. Good afternoon, Mr. Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Commissioners. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today. Um, I, I want to just be clear about this situation with Miss London. It was totally unacceptable, and we're not um, particularly excited about what happened here. Um, it's very disappointing, and I'm sure um, it didn't land on anybody well. And we should never treat anybody like that. And I think, you know, we need to just be clear. You know, I had a, and I told um, uh, Vice Mayor uh, Rich when I was interviewing with her, I had a father who later in life became, uh, had some cognitive and physical limitations, and I could only imagine him being in that predicament, and I would have been very upset about it too. So um, that's the, the, the human side of this and, and, and the part that we need to all um, own and, and recognize. From a corrective action standpoint, we've got a couple of things on the table um, that we are looking at. Um, we've asked Transportation America to provide a corrective action plan for us. Uh, they are going to be, because this particular issue related to a, um, a mist, uh, human error with a dispatch, um, and it just mushroomed, as you, as you mentioned. Um, they are going to be hiring some more dispatchers, lead dispatchers, to make sure that they have some oversight on those um, critical um, uh, uh, trips that are delayed or there's some um, compounding issues that are causing the um, trip to be delayed. They're also going to be doing some additional training to refamiliarize all of their dispatchers with the requirements and the policies and the procedures that they should be following. And they're also going to bring in a third-party um, trainer through um, Transit America um, and, uh, no, sorry, TSI. Uh, I think it's Transportation Systems Institute. 
Um, but at any rate, this is a national program that is available for any transit agency to use. Again, it's to reinforce the requirements of the American with Disabilities Act and to um, give the dispatchers an opportunity to become more familiar or re-familiar with what the requirements are and why we provide that vital service to a population of, of folks that really, really, really need our help. And we certainly understand that. Thank and just, you, Ms. just Ms. Shapiro, this is something that's kind of disturbing too, is my office just got a call, just got a call, and this gentleman is stranded at work as top saying they're now three to four hours till they can pick up. And he actually had an appointed time for pickup. So here's another example that is disturbing where he had a time solid to pick up, and then now Tops is saying it's gonna take three to four hours till he can be picked up from work. So that's obviously not acceptable either. So I think administration really needs to look at this thing pretty hard and heavy. Look at the the data on when people are getting if they're calling for a time certain and they're not getting picked up, how long are these people waiting? I think it really needs to look at a more intensive part of it because this is, this is just another example of what occurs. So we can't let this happen anymore. It's got to be looked at. Yes. Commissioner, you need to put your microphone on. Thank you. I think we need to look at the, whether or not what we're paying our drivers are creating problems because I'm hearing that conversation as you look to whether or not Lamar. we're competing against ourselves. Lamar. Okay? That is what I'm hearing. That's okay. May, may I address the driver's situation real quick, please? Um, for the Transportation America contract, um, this became, came to the board a little while ago, and we did increase the, um, mm -hmm. the, yes. the pay for them to a livable wage. So that contract um, commissioner is within the bounds of, of the uh, living wage. Thanks. Uh, commissioner Bogan and Senator Geller. Commissioner Rogers, while pay is very important, I think before you got here, we talked about increasing pay at airports with this mission. But when you keep hearing late, 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 it talks about management. I know. Okay? So what I'm going to ask you is, uh, hearing, hearing this, um, I think two things need to happen is them to be accountable somehow. Second, we need to promote the taxi thing. It's cheaper, it's less expensive, it's more direct, and we need to start looking at giving business to the taxi cab industry because it's going to save us a lot of money, right? Isn't it much uh, less expensive? They got, if there's a special need there with a wheelchair, et cetera, not all taxis have that available. I understand that. I understand, but I'm not just talking about wheelchair right now. No. You know, you, I don't know if your person that you called you is, is wheelchair bound, but uh, no, he needed the tops. Program that's right. what he needed. Yeah. So why, why don't why don't you know we have a, also a good alternative talking about you know with our taxi cabs and I think it's a less expensive alternative. I think we priced that out a couple of years ago, and um, if tops can't get if it, people are waiting you know, hours and hours, that's not going to be acceptable either. So uh, it's going to be on my radar. I'm going to bring it up, uh, you know, and see uh, maybe in a couple of weeks and see where we are with that. That's Thank okay. you, Commissioner. And um, I'm glad you brought up the taxi side of the equation. So just for awareness, we do offer a rider's choice program that is that a, that a, um, a member of our paratransit community can use that, and the taxi providers are the major providers for that program. Um, well, we, could, we will do better. We will. Um, what we've done is we've reached out to our paratransit community and let them know that this uh, program is um, exist, they choose to opt in and out. 
Um, some people prefer to use the paratransit services versus any other uh, opportunities out there. Um, that, that's a choice. But um, we can certainly take another bite out of the apple there to um, promote it even further and to get more adoption for that option. Um, Mr. Mayor, I am so sorry that to hear that right now that we have this issue going on. If you would allow me to, I'd like to talk to your team and understand where that problem is so that we can fix it. For sure, for sure. Senator okay. Geller? Yeah. Um, Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Question. Um, I agree that because the paratransit is not necessarily the point to point which the cabs are. It's my understanding, um, and that may be one of the issues. So I think that cabs for the population that can take them, which is not typically the all of the paratransit, are a better alternative through through y'all. But that I do think we have to recognize that the county is the one that owns these vehicles, and that uh, I do have some concern that you know they're never when you're dealing with the wheelchair they're probably never going to be as uh as fast as either the tncs or the cabs let me ask you a question now because the mayor said this is a recent issue and i think that commissioner bogan's issue also relatively recent um to what extent have y'all been to what extent have y'all been were y'all affected by the recent uh, flooding here? My understanding is that y'all lost a lot of your both management, your office, your vehicles. You know, where are you on the recovery from the recent flooding? So, is that Mr. Mayman? And, and is that you, sir? Yeah, I was okay. just going to ask Corey. Yeah, you this, would let them address that. That's what I was going to. He, yep. he came towards, and I know Thank he had you, signed up, but I wanted to. Yes, sir. Mr. Mayman. Mr. Mayman, did you hear my question, sir? I, I, did, I did, Senator. Thank okay, you. If you can address, uh, again, it was a two-part. Uh, to what extent were your headquarters and what extent were the vehicles damaged? And have you guys recovered from this yet? If so, not, when do you think you will be? So, Senator, thank you. Uh, Mr. Mayor, Commissioners Charles Mayman, Transportation America. Um, you should know that while I work with the organization, um, my job is not working day-to-day -day inside of Transportation America. I work in one of the associated companies. But I think it's important that uh, everybody understand that our headquarters are right off of Perimeter Road on the north side of the airport. During, and my involvement has been just recently with them because we lost 42 TOPS vehicles that were flooded. Um, we've turned those vehicles over to FEMA. Um, and they're being replaced. Um, and I understand that we have uh, 30 new vehicles that have been procured. We are working shorthanded. Plus, there are an additional 20, almost 20 other vehicles that were damaged that are in the repair process. Also, we uh, lost 50 of our employees' vehicles that were damaged um, that we're dealing with during this. Mm -hmm. So I just, so, you know, we've been in that location for many, many years. Of course, you know, we understand we're in South Florida, uh, the north side of the airport, the perimeter road is somewhat prone to flooding, but of course nobody ever expected to happen, you know, what occurred. So I wanted to bring that part of it, be, you know, and answer Senator Geller's question. Thank you, it's sir. It's been difficult 
and it continues to be difficult. We are operating shorthanded with vehicles right now. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask him a question too. Hold, 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 hold on, hold on. You done, Senator? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Bogan and Commissioner McKenzie. Sir, I'm kind of concerned that that the company is not bringing somebody that has, you say you just came with the company and- No, 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 no Commissioner. I, uh, I've been with the company for many, many years. I work in the EMS division of the company. And because there was, you know, we were dealing with vehicles in high water, I got involved. Okay, okay, uh, all We right. do have two representatives here that okay. work- Okay, Mr. Mr. Levitt's here as well. Okay, so my question to you is, have you notified Monica Sapero, Kim Campbell, or anybody in the county, our transportation director, let me ask you a question. Hey, we're down 50 vehicles, we're down this, we're down this, employees. Have you, and when did you do that? Okay, I'm, the answer is yes, but I'm going to let Mark Levitt, who runs the operation day-to-day, -day, answer that question for you. Got to Mr. Levitt. Good afternoon, uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, Mark Levitt. Um, the Executive Vice President of Transportation America. We have been communi we communicate with the county staff on a daily basis. Um, and just so you understand how this program works, we provide the transportation and the service, but there's also a call center that takes the calls. So I do apologize for what happened here. Um, as you know, um, number one, this customer service, and especially with these people that are vulnerable. vulnerable. Um, we've put some uh, safeguards into place, okay, so that this doesn't happen again. Um, but uh, clearly, uh, we have been in communication with the county. This happened a couple days after the storm. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to give any excuses because it should have never happened. But we definitely are, have, um, Safeguards in place. My, my reason I ask a question for Monica is if they're down all these vehicles, what are we doing to all these people that need rides? Are we telling them go call a cab? What are we doing to, if they're down vehicles and unable to meet their, you know, it'd be normal operations? Um, she's going to answer like, that. Yeah, yeah, answer. Ms. Ms. Kefflauner again will be able to address that. Thank you. Um, so, what we've done is we've ordered 40 extra uh, sedans to replace the vehicles that have been, um, at, that are currently out of commission. And um, what those, we expect delivery of those uh, vehicles to be here within 30 to 45 days. Um, obviously they, they couldn't come right away. Um, there has been some shortages for uh, equipment that you know is following some of the pandemic issues. Um, but that is what we have on order for them. Um, but in addition to that, uh, the, um, Transit, Transportation America has um, been working on a, a plan to um, have enough equipment to uh, satisfy the demand. Okay, I'm um, sorry to interrupt you. I just okay. be quick. They just said they're down a ton of vehicles. Okay, saying you're going to order 30 to 40 on order really is not a good answer for me. Maybe for somebody else. People need rides tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. Why aren't we referring them? We have ta we have hundreds of taxi cabs or thousands, whatever. Why aren't we referring them to the taxis? What's the matter? It saves us money too. I don't understand why the, everybody that calls, why we can't refer them to taxis. They're going to wait 40 days, 60 days. I know there's a shortage of right, cars. Right, right, Commissioner. Um, I will take 
what you said under, you know, we will, we will handle this. We will get on it and we'll handle it, sir. So, um, so Commissioner, yeah, thank you, Corey. So what I was just going to suggest is as soon as this is over, I'm going to get make sure I am fully briefed on, on all of the um, particulars of this and make sure that those calls for service, that there's an absolute plan through Transportation America, because I have not had, had a chance to meet with them personally, and I'd like to understand what their plan is for addressing to, um, to fulfill the contract needs and the needs of all the riders that have um, rides in queue. Okay, but I mean, the gentleman was nice enough to say, you know, hey, they, they can't help the weather. They're down all these vehicles. Understood. So we should be right today referring, you know, to taxis. I mean, not waiting now. We, we got a plan for 40 days is fine, but what about the next month and a half, two months? Yep. Okay. And when you make sure that the day-to-day -day dry riders need the service now, but they can't wait anymore. That, that we will have uh, some response for you this afternoon. Okay, very good. Commissioner McKenzie? I'm just going to reiterate customer service and pre-rain, we were having issues. And I didn't become a commissioner in the last five months. I spent eight years across the street. I, get the, I got the phone calls there, but I'm not using that report card. I'm using what, the, the information I gathered here to question where we are with this system. But customer service, and I think the gentleman who just spoke with the hat said uh, this is a vulnerable um, 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 segment of our community. And we're talking about handicap. We're talking about seniors um, that are using these vehicles uh, for medical and just social services to be independent. And it wasn't working then. Um, it's, I got a few examples now, and I asked Monica again, you know, and, and she's going to get it for me. The statistics on, on, on evaluating where they are, but this is unacceptable. But to me, just customer service. And we, we talked about the pay, so the pay is there. But for a person to operate that vehicle and not be courteous and not be considerate uh, is what. I'm getting at and want to make sure that in this professional training, uh, we revisit that so that the folks understand they work for us and we want people with smiles, we want people who are going to be taking care of our, 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 our residents uh, as they drive them to and from their, their, their needs daily. So that's, that's more my, my, my concern. How do we get up to speed on just treating people like people? I think, so we bring this to a landing right now, Senator, if that's okay. Um, let's bring it in. We know, understand that Ms. Sapiro understands our frustration. She's going to get with her staff and with Transportation America and report to us as soon as you can on a plan of attack to make sure that no matter vehicles, whatever it may be, that these folks will be picked up every day for schedule. Okay? We're good. All right. That concludes our agenda. Uh, we are now under our non-agenda reports. I'm going to begin with Commissioner McKenzie, if I can. I think I've said enough, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Bogan, do you have any uh, non-agenda reports? 60 seconds. Yes, sir. May 1st was the first day our pilot project started. Again, I want to thank my commissioners for their support. I also want to say that uh, I talked to Monica about we promoted this. We're going to be doing advertising. We're going to be doing marketing to get the 15,000 people. Um, if anybody wants to join me in the advertising or marketing, let me know because we're going to be out there in the community. And, um, and that's it. Thank Have you. a great week. I'm on board. Commissioner Ryan. 
So even though uh, you know many people are back at their homes after uh, the real disaster that we had with the flooding, you know there were some uh, particularly uh, hard-hit neighborhoods. I mean, everybody knows about uh, Edgewood, just north of the airport. Um, there was an area uh, between uh, 40th Avenue uh, and 441 uh, between Sterling and Griffin Road. That's an older working-class neighborhood that had uh, a, a tremendous amount of flooding. And, um, you know, a lot of these folks, uh, for one reason or another, did not have flood insurance. They may have had windstorm insurance and, and the liability insurance, but for some reason uh, they didn't have the flood. Uh, you know, sometimes it's because either they didn't have a mortgage on the property or, uh, you know, some other circumstances they were in an area that was not considered as flood-prone as others. But, um, you know, with a um, disaster of this magnitude, um, there's a lot of hurting going on. Uh, there's a disaster recovery uh, effort by FEMA that apparently there's been a requisite number of, of uh, losses that have triggered this, uh, um, you know, effort. And uh, I want to, you know, uh, thank the, the, uh, the federal government on its uh, prompt response and people out there in these neighborhoods, uh, you know, knocking on doors and, and getting, you know, some information. I noticed, Mayor, that you participated in that also. And, uh, you know, that was really, um, you know, um, very uh, gracious on your part. Uh, to get out there. I think it was Monday morning you were out there and, and um, you know, uh, speaking with people. So, uh, so there is some federal money out there, you know. There was apparently under some criteria that we could uh, access some, some state money. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, curious as to, uh, you know, how the county wants to uh, approach this. If there's any, um, any funds that we might make available under specified, you know, criteria for people, you know, that, that own their homes and, um, you know, that can, can show the extent of the damage of the actual interior flooding and, um, you know, the questions about, you know, their insurance coverage and their circumstances uh, that um, uh, I'd like to, to um, have the um, county administrator take a look at this and, and see if there's something that we can go back to uh, to our residents and speak to them and say, you know, under certain circumstances, uh, you know, you may be eligible for some, uh, you know, additional funds. My, uh, my understanding was that I think FEMA may, uh, you know, be in a position to, uh, to make some small payments. I don't know if it's like a $5,000 max or whatever. But, you know, you can imagine uh, when you, when you've got to like, um, take out your flooring, you've got to um, uh, remove baseboard and, and some drywall and, uh, you know, some of your appliances, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a big undertaking for, for regular folks. So um, if, if you could have somebody in your team uh, kind of reach out to my office, and I think to the other commissioners, and let us know, um, you know, what might be available so we can continue to have uh, accurate communication with our residents. Thank you. Commissioner Udine. Thank you. Very briefly, I just wanted to thank everyone at the county that had anything to do with Fleet Week. I thought that it was great to see um, all the different uh, events that 
went on countywide, and there was a lot. I know waiving the fares on the buses, which the mayor brought up again this year, there were a lot of uh, sailors and, 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 and Coast Guard people and, and Marines that went throughout the county, through all different areas, to go to the schools and go to a lot of different places. And I just thought that the county handled it very well as far as Fleet Week and the Air and Sea Show. Um, and, it, and it was very well received. The second thing I want to mention is, <clears throat> I just think that we ought to, um, I know the mayor mentioned it in one of the media interviews that I saw, and I think it'll be something that we'll talk about in the future. I thought Port Everglades did an excellent job after what happened with the, with the flooding. And, um, you know, I, we see what goes on. We see how much fuel and what we do in the port to supply the entire southern portion of the United States. Without commenting, I didn't really get any emails or comments from people that couldn't get fuel. Everyone was able to get it. There were some issues as far as maybe you had to go to a different station of choice, and the media kind of ramped a little bit of this up with the fuel availability. But I think in the future we're going to have to look at some different you know, methods as we, as we approve different licensing on where the equipment's going to be. I, I've been there. I've seen how they do it. I understood why it was taking a little bit longer based on, on what went on. But I think that the public doesn't realize that the port is really just like a landlord to private sector entities that are in the port. And, and I thought that our port did a lot to make sure that that system you know, got up and running uh, very quickly. And I, and I just thought I would mention that. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner and Vice Mayor. Yep. I just, want you, I just want you to know that my husband keeps count every day about your appearances on, uh, on TV, <laughs> along with Daniela Levine. And yesterday it was 2 nothing, your favor. It's Mayor Eugene it's too much. for anybody else. Mayor Eugene. Man, he's one of the 12 people that watch. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, um, so I just want to mention, um, I have to get there soon. It's 5 o'clock, this thing. Uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, dedicated to destigmatizing mental uh, health care, education, and supporting people with mental illness and their families. So to honor this, uh, Broward Behavioral Health Coalition, in collaboration with its community partners, including NAMI, Mujeres Latinas, and United Way of Broward County, uh, of Broward County is hosting uh, educational awareness activities, workshops, and there's going to be a unique art exhibition tonight uh, starting at 5 o'clock. There's a, a reception at the Southwest Regional Library in Pembroke Pines. By the way, we can always count on them for uh, being there for these kinds of events. Um, and the exhibit includes sculptures that were never featured before. Um, the, uh, the art exhibit actually is uh, through a nonprofit organization established in South Florida called National Art Exhi Exhibition by the Mentally Ill. Uh, and it's dedicated to discovering, studying, promoting, exhibiting, and preserving the art of those struggling with mental illness throughout the world. And as I said, it starts at 7. And it'll be going on for the whole month of May, uh, May 2nd to May 31st. So if anybody wants to go out there and take a look at it, I'm sure it is going to be very worthwhile. Okay, thank you. Uh, first of all, Mayor, I just want to thank you. You've been doing a great job with the, with all this flooding stuff. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we were able to get FEMA, I know you worked really hard. I know Monica worked really hard. Uh, I do want to thank uh, Congressman Debbie Wasserman Schultz and, and Jared Moskowitz, because I think they were very key as well. 
they had the year of President Biden, and, the, and we needed that. And it was, it, it was good to be able to talk with my constituents and have something to offer, and say, because before, it was pretty tough. Um, I do think uh, what I am hearing is that for those who really can't afford to do improvements, to get the FEMA money, they have to, it's, re, it's reimbursable. Yes. And that's hard. They don't have the money on the front end. And so I think we may want to look at if there's a way of providing that to, and then being, and then FEMA reimburses, maybe they reimburse us. But however, to help them do it on the front end, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. But okay. I, but some are being left out in the cold because they don't have money on the front end. Right. So I I don't know the best way to deal with that. Um, but maybe we should try to give it some thought. Um, on May 9th, I'll be doing Habitat for Humanity. We're building some houses. I don't know if anybody else is going to be out there. Maybe. Where's yeah. that? Uh, actually, it's, I think it's in Pompano. Is it? At yeah. the Rick Case uh, yeah. site there yeah, at uh, so. 6th Street? And yeah. yeah. And then um, I will be going to all the different city commissions uh, with, uh, with this past. <laughs> Hopefully, I can get it through. And uh, lastly, I just want to congratulate the... Um, the Lauder Hill Transit Center for being the first LEED Gold Certified Transit Facility in the United States. This Yay. is very good. Yeah, that's a that's a, a feather in our cap. Well, that's all. You. Thank you. Okay, Vice Mayor forgot one thing. She I wants did. to jump in you on. Mentioned, you mentioned Debbie, so I, I just must say that uh, finally uh, on May seventh, that's Sunday, next Sunday there will oh, be yeah. a oh, yeah. dedication. Everyone has received an invitation. Just urging you to come if you can. A dedication of the Ann Wasserman, that's Debbie's mother, uh, her Memorial Community Garden at Markham Park. Uh, I was out there for the groundbreaking, and I'm so thrilled. We have this uh, trees and vegetables and all kinds of garden, and it's kind of sponsored by the uh, Western Community Garden Society. And so the dedication is going to be Sunday at, I believe, 10 o'clock. Yes. At 10, Markham. 10 a.m. at Markham Park. Very good. Thank you. Senator Geller. Thank you. First, Mr. Mayor, I'd like to congratulate you on your brilliant showing at the Mayor's Ball, where we were all there, where you, you represented us well. Thank you. Um, secondly, it seems that I've been busy birthdaying recently. The JCC had, uh, I spoke at the JCC for the Israel 75th anniversary in the city of Plantation for their 70th anniversary. And finally, I wanted to briefly bring commissioners up to date. I serve on the Legislative Committee of Florida Association of Counties. I cannot tell you all of the bad stuff that the legislature has done because it would take too long. Uh, but there were three items that I did want to mention. First of all, term limits was discussed it, uh, for county commissioners, which would be retroactive uh, the way it had been worded uh, and would have been eight years in retroactive. So, However, it looks like they are going to do eight-year term limits for school board members only and not include county commissioners. And this was uh, specifically because of the Florida Senate of uh, the Senate President and the Rules Committee Chair expressed no enthusiasm for including county commissioners. Secondly, uh, it appears that there's an agreement that has been reached on drop 
and that will have an effect on county budget. They opted for moderate to medium position and county commissioners, uh, those of you that have been in government for any period of years, I would urge you to take a look at that because that could have a direct impact on you. And finally, uh, fortunately, it appears um, until you hear the word signy die <laughs> and the gavel goes down, you don't know, but it appears that this year we have again defeated the preemption on local governments establishing uh, uh, living wage ordinances, local preferences. Um, local preferences, small business preferences, apprenticeships, um, associate builders and contractors and some other companies pushing really, really hard for that. And it appears that that was defeated, um, but hasn't been, I mean, that's what we've been told, but they haven't signed any died yet. So wish us all luck. That's all, Mr. Well, Mayor. Thank you, Senator. Commissioner Rogers. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Let me say that I recall when I got here that there was an urgency in that report that we were expecting from the university on the housing issues. You all recall that report. I know the report is here. I'm trusting it is not going to be on the shelf that we're going to workshop it. I haven't heard yeah, it's, that it's going to be discussed. It's coming soon. Yep. It's coming mm -hmm. soon. Just wanted to make sure it's not sitting on the shelf. We've keep been on, waiting too long. Radar. And as we had the discussion earlier about properties that are vacant and we're trying to identify those properties, I'm just curious as to properties that's owned by the county that we have identified that if we own it, we can move on it faster than trying to negotiate a contract. So I would ask that we prioritize the properties owned by the county so we can start going vertical on some of those properties that we have. So that's that. I just wanted to mention once again Kayla Samuels because I forgot her name and out of respect for the family and the community. Yes, she was born May 14, 1998, so she died right before her birthday on 4-17-23. A great loss to her family, young 23-year-old, but we have issues. Last week, I was fortunate to have my nieces participate in Bring Your Child to Work. I would like to thank staff for taking the time to educate all of the children that participated and made it a widely successful time for them. Through a partnership with FarmShare, District 9 provided roughly 1,000 families with groceries and we intend to continue to meet the needs of our community through outreach and partnerships as we move forward. Sorry. I know we're all, uh, we have busy schedule and our communities are very active, but I can tell you, District 9 is not waiting, they're just doing things. We have a teacher's appreciation breakfast on May 9th at Christian Community Church of God in Lauder Hill. The annual Teachers of the Year being sponsored by the city of Lauder Hill on May 11th. Housing Affordable Town Hall meeting. I'm planning that for May 17th at the Knob Hill Soccer Club in Sunrise. How to do business with Broward County workshop May 24th at the Sunrise Senior Center, multipurpose. 
And of course, cricket, I know I'm going to be having a discussion with staff, but I would like to go beyond just a discussion with staff and to see how we get this item on the agenda for May 23rd so we can get have everyone engaged. As my colleague would say, when we are all engaged, we all know and we can come up with solutions. We know that session will start early next year, so we need to start looking at our appropriations or policies and whatever we need to get done sooner than later because of that. And lastly, I'm always saying recreation is good for the soul. Please join me on May 21st in the city of Lauderdale Lakes. There's an event that I've fondly called Unifest because I believe that it brought people out and brought our community together. So come see us. The mayor did not know he offered to come by and present his proclamation that we approved today and also to auction off Commissioner Bogan. <laughs> He's up for auction. <laughs> okay, so. I can't sell in negative terms. I can only be a positive. I can't say minus a dollar. <laughs> I thought I had it. Okay, but. But that's it, Mr. Mayor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Just a couple uh, items before we move on to our other folks here. Um, Mayor, real Mayor, quick. Is there a cost to Unifest? Is there a cost is there associated a cost with for it? Unifest? Between 12 and 3, it's free. Kids on the 12, free all day. And of course, there's a little cost of $20. That was for the public. I knew, but I got the <laughs> questions. I wanted to be out there. Thank you. Okay. Very good. I um, was able to, uh, to walk on the Big Brothers Big Sister State Conference here in Fort Lauderdale. It was kind of neat. As mayor, you get to come these welcome these wonderful folks and associations across uh, the world, really, and what they're making a big difference and and having some personal testimonies of gentlemen and ladies that actually went through the program and now are so highly successful. So, kudos to them. Uh, the Caribbean Shipping Association Conference was yesterday. That began again another exciting event. Probably 200 people were there. Um, and find out from Jonathan Daniels. I think they represent about a quarter of our shipping containers. So if we ship a million containers a year, they're about 250,000. So really how important they are to our economic uh, benefits to our poor. So thank, thanks to them. I do want to thank all those who attended the mayor's uh, gala. Thank you. I think we had 100% turnout. Thank you so much for participating for United Way. I think they raise a lot of money for United Way and what they serve our community is really outstanding. So uh, just thank you for your participation. I want to thank FEMA. Again, Commissioner Furr talked about this briefly, but FEMA has just been phenomenal. Mr. John Mills, who's their PIO gentleman, but bringing you know, the teams to the community is really important. And we're bringing the boots on the ground you know, door by door, which is really uh, fascinating. And to know that some of the folks that didn't have internet service, now we have the tablets, we have the iPads going door to door, filling the surveys out for them. Um, as early as Monday morning, people were already getting inspectors right there from FEMA who had filled out the surveys and called the 621 FEMA number. So it's working. It is working. And just want to thank them. And also want to put together uh, or put the rest of a bad rumor that our airport pumped water uh, out of the airport into the neighborhoods. Uh, that's not true. First of all, we didn't have any pumps to begin with. But to begin with, so that, that was a rumor going around when we were pumping water in the Edgewood community from our airport, uh, so I just wanted to get that on the record that that's not happening. And as we continue to uh, help folks out, uh, you know, keep them in their prayers also, what they 
these families are, are really hard hit and visited some folks that had children there in the war and they I could see the water they halfway up their second panel of windows was going so uh, and FEMA was right there helping this young lady out so and then last but not least uh, is uh, happy Mother's Day to everybody happy Mother's Day is on the 14th so all those mothers here and uh, you get to celebrate uh, Mother's Day so all of our children and all, all those folks that make sure that we take care of our mothers that day. You know what, I should have remembered that because we're not going to meet before that, but my mother is going to be celebrating her 101st birthday on May 12th. See that? See that? So yep. 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 we might have to she's, give her a proclamation or something, Senate Vice Mayor or something. Yeah. one from Congress. Does she have your gusto? Okay, all right. Yes. She does. She, does. <laughs> she puts you in her place. <laughs> <laughs> We need to talk to her she has about all uh, of her faculties. If the, if the vice mayor gets out of line, we need to tell mom about it. All righty, Mr. Melton, anything to report, sir? We did hear from you the pledge, and we appreciate your words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Myers, anything? Last but not least, Ms. Sapiro. Thank you. Yes, and I'll try to um, wrap this up kind of quickly. So. Um, thank you, Senator Geller, for some of that legislative uh, update. We are absolutely by the minute. I'm getting updates from what's happening up there in Tallahassee. Um, we will be putting together a summary, as we always do, uh, and uh, and give you the latest and greatest. And certainly, if there's anything of of critical critical um, um, issues, we will get those out to you as well. Um, and I wanted to really just spend a couple of minutes on the FEMA piece and thank you, Mayor, for your comments about the work that FEMA is doing. We did send out uh, a flyer that looks like this, uh, just a one-sheeter um, for the camera, and we'll, we'll get that out. I know our public communications team is also posting all of the information that FEMA is sharing with us so that we can get that word out. We'll make sure, and I've asked Michael after this meeting to make sure that you have all the press releases and everything from FEMA so that you guys can push that out as well to your communities um, and your districts. A um, couple of updates, the disaster survivor assistance uh, uh, teams that are here from FEMA, they're going door to door. I know you guys know that, um, and Mayor, you mentioned some of that. Um, also, we're doing the, uh, the, the FEMA's actually doing um, an open house in the BMSD. Um, with a table, and, and, and we're going to have um, an open house on Saturday, May 6th, at, at ARLIC, at the African American Research Library and Cultural Center, um, as with the door-to-door -door, uh, work of the uh, DSA teams, FEMA staff will help impacted BMSD residents and homeowners uh, to understand and apply how, how to apply for FEMA assistance. Um, and then the disaster recovery centers, um, we worked um, with FEMA on and the municipalities that are getting those DRCs um, to help identify where those will be. Um, and so, Michael, I don't know if there's anything specific you have um, that you'd like to add to that. Or, okay, then we'll send out some additional information to you all so that you guys can share that with your uh, communities as well. Um, and lastly, on that FEMA piece that I know um, Commissioner Farr and Commissioner Ryan both um, asked me to look into or, or to start analyzing about um, financial uh, kind of uh, review. Um, so we will speak with FEMA about, you know, if there's anything um, for those affected um, folks on the, on the reimbursement side. But um, I think we, we start on a policy level to start getting into a slippery slope of, 
of front-loading some of that, but we're going to look at some of um, FEMA's policies to see what might be able to be done. Um, also, we're looking uh, very closely at the BMSD, obviously, because that's our that's the body that you sit as the city commission, if you will. Um, so, and and how to help assist those residents, particularly um, handholding, and and to coordinate some of that assistance. Um, I know that. I've heard anecdotally that some municipalities are also looking at what they might be able to do for their um, uh, city municipal residents. Um, yeah, so, actually, actually so, Mr. Pierre, I wanted, that's a good question. I'm going to interrupt you, but uh, I know that Mayor Trentalis has said twice now in a press conference is that I think today he's bringing forward to his commission where he is going to recommend up to $5,000 per household. So that would obviously help what Commissioner First is talking about, especially in Fort Lauderdale. So we'll see how, how Mayor Gentiles does on that, because he feels very confident, I'm assuming, that he's going to get 5000 per household in that, in right. addition to all this money. So yeah. we'll see how that shakes out. All right. Thank you. That, that was rounding out my comments. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes, Commissioner speak, and, and I wanted to speak to that. And I spoke to Monica about it, because one day he said he's going to do it. One day he said he went to Washington and FEMA came. And the next morning he was on the news saying that um, FEMA doesn't cover everything. Correct. And then he said he's going to ask the county to participate, so I went to Monica, oh. and I want I want us to be clear on what we can and cannot do. Correct, and I, and I corrected that in the in the media. That I get it, but when we go out with this PIO media campaign, if we're not doing anything directly for services and we're coordinating, let's make sure that's clear so that people don't have false hope. Now we can do the other things or create something where the county is actually handing or giving something out um, as an initiative, then we need to say that because what's going on now, to me, is just a lot of misinformation and people are getting frustrated. No one needs water, no one needs food that I've been talking to out there. People need housing, repairs, places to stay, that type of stuff, not this water stuff, and we've had a situation in Fort Lauderdale um, where they had cases and cases of water at a church, and they had so much water that they couldn't bring it inside at night, so they had to get a, hire a police officer to watch it at night. And people that were getting it were going back selling it. Not everyone, but people would take advantage of this stuff because we never, the stores never closed. Right. The gas stations never really shut down. People need their homes repaired. If we can do something in that area, I'm all for it, but I'll leave that up to you and your creative staff to figure out what can we really do for those people that were really affected and don't have the insurance. And, and, and I agree with that. That's why I corrected the media when they asked me about the same question that, you know, we're going to provide funding. And I said that we could maybe provide funding on what's funding is available to us, right. meaning FEMA, et cetera, not from the general fund issue. So I wanted to make that clear to the media. Thank you. Uh, on that. So. I'm sorry, Mr. Brown, I no, interrupted that was, you. That, that was it? Yeah, and I apologize for my... Yes, Vice Mayor. I just want to say one thing about our mayor. I got calls from actually uh, mayors, people that were invited up on the stage. Would you all listen a minute? I want... Hey, excuse me. Um, just, just. Susan, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to say something nice about our, our mayor, and I wanted you to hear it. That I got calls. People actually, mayors actually said how nice it was that our mayor. They've never seen it before at the at the United Way Ball. That our mayor called up all the other mayors to come up onto the stage.
And I want to just say, we talk about working together, about doing things together, and that was such a wonderful gesture, and it was recognized by people. So I wanted Thank everybody you, to know. Thank, Thank you so much. You Thank you so much. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, just being just adjourned. Thank you.